Welcome to Art Bell Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring Coast to Coast AM from November 1st, 1995. From the high desert and the great American Southwest, I bid you good morning, good evening, wherever the case, whatever the case may be. Across all these many time zones, stretching from Tahiti and the Hawaiian Islands to the U.S. Caribbean and the Virgin Islands, south into South America, north well to the pole. This is Coast to Coast AM. We'll see what kind of trouble we can get into this morning. Live talk radio, because this radio station cares enough to have it on for you. Every now and then you ought to call them up and say thank you. Good to be here, and um, I thought about this all day before deciding to air it, but I'm going to air it. Uh, You may recall that uh, we've had on the show a number of times Gordon Michael Scallion. Gordon Michael Scallion is an intuitive, visionary, whatever you want to call him. And in my view, the real McCoy. I've had several substantial conversations private with him uh, over a long period of time now. And I invited him back on the program, oh, what was it, a couple of weeks ago at your behest. And he sent me a letter, uh, which I read to you saying basically um, nothing has changed and my predictions for 1995 stand as um, on the previous program which by the way you can get a copy of if you want to and you probably ought to and we'll give you a number to do that today I received a special bulletin from Mr. Scallion and I'll read that to you in a moment you may recall in his last recorded interview, the last recorded interview we did with Gordon Scallion, he said uh, the one thing to watch most carefully for would be any uh, activity at all on either uh, Vesuvius, Mount Vesuvius in Italy, uh, or Mount Etna. Now, Sunday evening on the CBS Evening News, some of you I'm sure saw it, uh, which normally is with Dan rather Sunday. I don't know. They have a replacement, somebody or another. Uh, they did a big story on Vesuvius. And an Italian geologist said there have been t- tremendous rumblings. And they believe Vesuvius is getting ready to let go. Now, originally, when Vesuvius buried Pompeii, and with it 25,000 people, well, it is still talked about, isn't it? Uh, living beneath Vesuvius right now, there are one-half million people, and there is a voluntary evacuation being called for. But the people are not leaving. Vesuvius is getting hot. Vesuvius is having uh, multiple earthquakes. Today I received an interesting uh, newspaper from Europe. And the headline is, Sicily on alert as Etna wakes. Tourists were warned to stay away from the summit of Mount Etna in Sicily. Authorities have appealed for calm as Europe's highest and most active volcano seemed to sputter back to life this week. Quote, a lively lava flow from the northern crater and copious amounts of ash were noted by the Sicilian authorities, but they hastened to add there was no immediate cause for alarm, 
Experts were immediately at the scene, monitoring the fumes and the lava flows. Faced with predicting the task of predicting when an earthquake will happen, seismologists can sometimes make mistakes. But right now they see a very great deal of activity going on uh, with Etna as well. So there is now uh, pre-activity uh, with respect to both Vesuvius and Etna. And those of you who listened to the program way back when uh, Mr. Scallion made that prediction will recall there was no such thing at that time. Score one, actually two, for Mr. Scallion. Now, I'm going to read for you word for word what I received from Gordon earlier today. Address for, uh, to me for all of you. Special bulletin. Earth change activity continues to increase along the ring of fire. Already this year, the record, I said the record for the number of yearly earthquakes greater than 6.0 has been broken, and we still have two months to go remaining in this year. I have been warning since 1993 that I considered activity at, and I'm in trouble with this, Mount Pococatepe, in Mexico, and I'm sure I slaughtered that, to be a precursor to quakes ranging and reaching magnitude 8.0 plus or minus 0.5 in the Mexico City region. On September 14th, a magnitude 7.5 earthquake in Mexico hit the Pacific coast, and October 9th, a 7.9 hit the same region. Pocahontas came to life in 1994 and is now once again active. I consider the recent activity in Mexico as the beginning of a three-month window for earth changes to occur along the west coast of the United States. Other events that send up early warning flares for me are the recent eruptions of volcanoes in Japan. These have triggered thousands of small earthquakes in that region and increased the risk that a major quake or blow-off may occur in the region shortly. If my window is correct, time may be short for this and other predictions to occur. The following is a summary of previously published Earth Changes Report predictions for the 1995-96 time frame concerning the U.S. The third cycle of the 1995-1996 four-quake scenario begins December 95, January 96. The first two cycles occurred as predicted. Quakes to occur along the west coast of the U.S. in a domino fashion. High-risk areas, epicenters or affected areas for quakes are Palm Springs, San Diego, Sonoma County, the San Francisco Bay Area, including Sacramento, Oakland, and San Jose. Some quakes will be greater than magnitude 8.0. Some seismic monitors will uh, record earthquakes of 9 or greater. Will there be any other warning signs before these quakes hit? I am watching Japan, the Indian Ocean region, 
Mount Vesuvius in Italy, and the U.S. Cascades region very closely now. Major activity in any of these areas would indicate potential earth change activity to occur within weeks, perhaps days, along a line drawn from Vancouver, B.C. to Eureka, California, to San Diego, California. A final note. If you live in a high-risk area, it is better to be prepared. If a quake doesn't occur, it becomes a blessing, and you will be better prepared for when it does. Even the scientific community is now saying the, quote, big one, end quote, can occur now any time. So there you've got it. There is the latest kind of sobering stuff, I would say, from um, Gordon Michael Scallion. It fits into a kind of a theory I have. Uh, I call it the quickening. Things are going on. Now, you can take that, and um, in the religious community, uh, it will be said that there is no prophet, save those that are 100% accurate, and that may well be. Mr. Scallion's rating is somewhere about 87%, I believe. I've been carefully tracking his uh, predictions, made here and elsewhere. And I say once again, Sunday when I saw the report on Vesuvius, my jaw hit my chest. This morning when I opened up the papers sent me and I read the headline, Sicily on alert as Etna wakes. And then when uh, this arrived from Gordon, I felt that I ought to report it to you. So there you've got it for what it's worth. There is an epidemic, a mysterious illness going on now in Nicaragua. It has now spread to Honduras. The mystery surrounding a deadly Nicaraguan epidemic deepened Tuesday when a leaked U.S. Embassy document identified the disease as dengue. I believe that's correct. Dengue. Dengue. D-E-N-G-U-E. Meanwhile, neighboring Honduras reported that three people had died after exhibiting symptoms of fever, body aches, bleeding from the nose and gums, similar to those found in the Nicaraguan illness. The unidentified illness, which has symptoms similar to those of dengue, has killed at least 15 so far and infected 1,500 The Nicaraguan health minister told a news conference Monday that tests by U.S. Centers for D Disease Control had ruled out dengue and yellow fever. So, in other words, they don't exactly know for sure what it is. But it is. And it's new. And it's infecting people. And it is spreading, for whatever that's worth. Other news, uh, more domestic um, really more palatable news. The budget passed by the Republican Congress, biggest cuts in the shortest time in uh, all of memory. NBC did a poll last night saying 73% of you, or us, want a 10-year plan and smaller cuts 
Only 22% of us want a seven-year plan and bigger cuts. NBC further says, their poll says, 61% of us say the president ought to wield his veto pen and cut this budget down in its uh, cradle. I'm sure he will. Then, of course, the real talks will begin. The president, Gingrich, Dole, and company all met. No progress. Clinton reportedly told them, if you want your agenda, meaning the Republican agenda passed, well, then you better elect a Republican president. I would imagine Mr. Dole just sort of uh, mentally shook his head and said, right on, Mr. President. In late October, the debt limit will again come up, and um, Republicans are saying they're not going to let it uh, be raised. All of that could lead to a possible default on the part of the government on its uh, payback. And that, of course, would be, uh, you know, the train wreck that everybody is afraid of could happen. The Bosnian peace talks. All sides in Dayton shook hands. But I'm afraid that's it so far. Uh, no further agreement on anything. As a matter of fact, all sides, according to our negotiator, have toughened their positions. White House says before they send troops, they will need, listen to this wording, they will need or will desire an expression of support. Well, the president has a long way to go to get that because right now the Wall Street Journal and NBC says that you say... 65% oppose it, only 30% of you favor it. The U.S. proposes the following, a peace agreement, a division of territory, elections, refugees to return or be compensated, reconstruction aid, <laughs> U.S. tax dollars, of course, and buffer zones to be created, and then filled with 25,000 U.S. troops. It is the foreign policy military plan from hell, as far as I'm concerned. But I got another uh, fax. We talked about this yesterday, and somebody said, Bull feathers. George Bush went into Panama, a stupid mission, in the middle of the night. 25,000 troops to... Um, uh, to uh, uh, to get uh, one man out. He didn't ask anybody. I don't seem to recall Ronald Reagan asking to go into Grenada. Where was that big threat there? Well, in both cases, this faxer is correct. But he will recall we got the hell out of Panama very quickly. Ditto with Grenada. We are projecting a one-year presence in Bosnia. Uh, standing between two forces that want to murder each other. And I think it's a lousy idea. Lousy. Boris Yeltsin, I told you, I told you this. A senior aide today told NBC television, quote, he, Boris Yeltsin, is not looking very good and is going to be hospitalized longer than expected. Now, how would you translate that? I'll tell you how I translate it. He's at death's door.
he's hanging on by a thread, or he's already dead. I couldn't tell you which. All I know is, when they begin to officially say that somebody has taken a turn for the worse, and it's somebody like Boris Yeltsin, uh, you can almost bet the farm on the fact that it is um, about 10 degrees more serious than they suggest. So you better keep your plutonium dry out there, everybody, because Boris's replacement is not likely to be as nice a guy as he is supposed to be. One more little item I need to get in here. CNN reporting. You're going to love this one, or maybe you, maybe you will love it. And maybe it's okay, or maybe not. The FBI wants a new national system to allow police to listen into one out of every 100 telephone calls in some high-crime areas. Critics say the proposal far exceeds current needs of law enforcement. The FBI argues... Digital communications, meaning the kind of telephones we sell here, and the computer age make it mandatory that they be able to listen in at the telephone company level because they can't listen in to these new digital phones. And a lot of computer, um, fast-running computer information scrambled is beyond them. They can't keep track of it all. And so they want permission to listen in to one out of every 100 telephone conversations in some high-crime areas. <laughs> and I wonder how you feel about that. Is that a good idea? We do have, uh, after all, an awful lot of crime, don't we? Or is that an awful idea? You tell me. All right, we're going to take a break here at the bottom of the hour and allow the radio stations out there to do whatever it is they enjoy doing at the bottom of the hour. I really don't know. It varies. And then we'll come back. I've got a little more. We'll get phone lines open. And we'll begin to do un, uh, uncensored, unscreened, unexpected talk radio. Coming next. You're listening to Art Bell Somewhere in Time on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from November 1st, 1995.
listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from November 1st, 1995. Morning, everybody. Well, proving that anybody will follow up on anything. Yesterday morning, I think late in the show, I believe I mentioned I found a total of 78 cents in my couch. Now, I asked somebody in the audience, good with numbers, to estimate how much money there might be in all of America's couches, and this morning I've got my answer, and here it is. Art, there are approximately 260 million people in America, divided by three people per household per family on average, roughly giving us about 8,666,000 households, considering that on the average one family had one couch, each couch containing a total of 78 cents, using what you found. This means if you were to gather the change from each couch in America, you could glean a grand total of $675,999.99. That, my friend, is far from chump change, of course. Uh, but operating costs to travel all of America and do this service for free. Probably in the long run, you'd about break even. Blake in San Diego. And a fax that just uh, is winging its way in now. Dear Art, we really uh, like listening to your show here in our office in San Diego. We stay up all night coloring comic books. Really, we do color comics. Maybe it's a job. I don't know. Anyway, with all this discussion of the meetings of the warring factions from Bosnia at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, has anybody wondered why they picked this Air Force Base? All the books we've read uh, have led us to believe this is where the government may be storing all the crashed UFOs. Isn't this also the place where Barry Goldwater was refused entrance to a special room? Yes, it is. I have that tape. Thanks, your fans, Little Jim, Jay, James, Adrian, and Steve. Steve, by the way, he really wants to rule the world. Huh. That comes from a conversation we had a couple of weeks ago in which uh, we were kind of ruminating about the fact that we don't have any enemy. And lacking a specific enemy, like the old Soviet Union, uh, we are turning on ourselves like so many rats uh, put together, packed together uh, with no food, eating ourselves alive, throwing children out windows, uh, crack mothers doing that, uh, and all the other horrible little litany of things that you could uh, run off about today's society. More of what I call the quickening. Anyway, needing a focus of hate, some guy sent me a fax from L.A. saying, you want somebody to hate, why don't you hate my neighbor Steve? Steve is human slime. He is the worst neighbor. He's the neighbor from hell. I hate Steve. And in fact... Steves everywhere are about the same. So we should hate Steves. And uh, it had some merit. And it kind of went from there. And uh, the Steves of the world are obviously in some sort of cahoots. And they've got something planned. We're not sure what it is, but the Steves know. So anyway, we've, we've begun a sort of a hate Steve thing, and uh, it makes people feel better. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Oh, 
worked. Didn't think I'd get through. Great. Oh, uh, I can barely hear you, sir. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that better? That's better. You got to talk into the phone. That's why <laughs> yeah, they really called the mouthpiece. Yeah, where Where are you calling from? I'm calling from the social estate of California, San ah, Luis yes. Obispo. <laughs> San Luis Obispo. Okay. <laughs> anyway, about Sarajevo, people just go back, kind of look at Chamberlain and Hitler. Yes. And then they attack Poland. Yes. Kind of looks like the same thing when I heard the Secretary of State say, if this is not resolved, we've got World War Three. Yeah. Fun stuff. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I, 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 you know, our Secretary of State is... Um, I, I have yet to find uh, real use for him uh, in the human arena. All right, as far as the FBI, the FBI taking into the Internet, I've got a No, 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 no. Uh, you weren't, uh, you weren't listening, sir. Uh, the FBI wants to tap one in a hundred telephone conversations. Oh, that's right. In some high crime areas. Yeah, uh, to relate to that, I have a friend that works for MCI, and they've got what they call the fire room. Fire room. And uh, what they have is a passcode that only they, you, if you know the password, you can get in and they get out. So they're fighting it tooth and nail. But I have a brother who works with computers for everything that the FBI wants to tap in or whatever. There'll be another gadget that will will stop it. <laughs> well, I hope you're right. In the meantime, good idea or bad idea, tap one in 100 in high crime areas. Now, these are, you know, these are areas where a lot of crack traffic and uh, gang banging and all the rest of it. Of course, attacking phone calls, all you have to do is walk through there. If you put a closed policeman walking down there, you got the same effect. Mm -hmm. All right, thank you very much for the call and not answering my question. Uh, the question is a very direct question. It is the one Congress is asked to answer now, and that is, should the FBI be given authorization to tap one out of every 100 phone calls in high-crime areas? Now, it's not specifically said what high crime areas constitute, what they are. Oh, I guess I had to give out the phone numbers, huh? All the lines are full, but there's still people out there saying, what the hell's phone number? I want to call. If you're calling from west of the Rockies and you wish it to be toll-free, the number is 1-800-618-8255. 1-800-618-8255. East of the Rockies, anywhere east, Anywhere within the sound of my voice, and yes, we are live right here, right now, the number is 1-800-825-5033. Uh, the people in Detroit, the people in New York, uh, want to make note, people in Maryland, all the new areas of affiliation, east of the Rockies, it's 1-800-825-5033. Three, three. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Good morning, Art. How are you doing today? Okay. Where are you? I am calling from Kansas City. Excellent. Uh, KCMO Talk 81. 50,000 watts of attitude. I like it. Yes, sir. As a matter of fact, Mike Murphy's going to have you on his program here tomorrow morning. Looking forward to that. <gasps> Is that tomorrow morning? Yes, sir. Wow. It's... Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> Say, Art, I, I, I've, I've got... A question to ask you, if you would help. I would love to take the kid gloves off in regards to these uh, alien or UFO abductions. How do you do that? Well, you talk about what's going to be happening. From what I've seen so far, I mean, the gloves don't fit. 
Well, yeah, you're right there. That's true. Uh, you know, I liken it to a big jigsaw puzzle, uh, like a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle, with no picture after you get it together. <laughs> <laughs> or at least one you don't recognize as anything human. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Art, what I would like to do is I would like for people to stop and reevaluate that situation of the UFO scenario. Um, 8.5 million of us here in this country, as you know, uh, claim that there's been some kind of an alleged abduction scenario happened within their life. Mm. And uh, that's just only in the United States alone. This is a global phenomenon. So really there's no telling what kind of uh, segment of the humanity on this planet we're talking about. Maybe they're taking millions. It could be. You know, I was astounded. Uh, I had an abduction happen to me in 1977, and at that time there wasn't a whole lot of literature available. And through the years there's been uh, uh, more literature to come out in regard to this uh, subject. Well, what is your bottom line? My bottom line is that we really need to protect ourselves uh, from the possibility that we're not we're looking at a completely malevolent type of situation, and if that's true then something needs to be done to orchestrate a movement to start thinking of ways to protect ourselves. Lead helmet, lead, obviously, is not going to do it. Lead helmets, sir. I'm sorry? Lead helmets. <laughs> <laughs> Look, i got to run. Thank you very much uh, for the call, and have a good morning. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hello. Yes. Uh, I would like to get that number that you gave uh, for that paper, the free paper. Gordon Scallion? Yes, thank you. All that's enough to about scare the pants off you, huh? Right, yes. Yes, it did. Uh, have you been following Scallion? No, I haven't. This is the first time I've heard about you it. You haven't. All right. Well, you listen on the air to some of those who have, all right? Oh, I definitely will. Keep all right. Keep your ear open. Thank you uh, very much for the call. There are a lot of people doing this kind of thing out there, or claim to be. Scallion is one of the few, the very few, that uh, that I regard as the real McCoy, if there is such a thing. This is no doubt going to bring a million facts to saying there is no real McCoy, except the way the Bible says. Well, maybe that's right. But I find it difficult to ignore a hit rate of 87 point something percent. And I've been watching now since we interviewed him about a year ago. Was it a year ago? More? About a year ago, I would guess, very carefully. And... Um, I'm sorry, but I'm chilled every time I get the next report that underscores something he said. And the latest good chill came with Etna and Vesuvius. And he mentioned both of them. So, you know, as I said, take it for what, whatever you want and or disregard it. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art. Yes. Uh, I'm calling from uh, Ohio. Ohio. Northeastern Ohio. Listening to what? Uh, pardon? Listening to what station, sir? Oh, uh, 570. That's in Youngstown. Youngstown. Very Correct. good. WKBN. Correct. All right. Uh, what I was going to tell you about, I've uh, studied ancient prophecy for many years, mm. and what Michael Scallion is saying is pretty right on, but things that I'd like to explain to you, one time you asked about what warning would there be. From everything I've read, and maybe... Things you could keep track of this, and maybe when you, Michael Scallion's back on, there'll be an interior warning. He feels no need to come back on, sir. Uh, he's told us what he has to say, and uh, according to the latest uh, he sent me, he said, look, 
my predictions stand. Uh, there's nothing more to say. I could only repeat what I've already said. Correct. But, I mean, what he's saying is, is everything I've read, and I've studied this for years, about what, what's going to happen. And, and uh, But he's pretty accurate as far as pinpointing it. But, but the... Uh, there, there'll be a warning, and, and really, this is one thing that people, you, you always said, what, what would God do to warn people? No, 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 yeah. no. I asked, uh, everybody twist my words around. I said, what could God do to prove absolutely beyond any doubt that he is there? I mean, we're talking raining Gideon Bibles, maybe. Correct. Um, the ocean parting, um, whatever. Correct. Something big. Right. Well, it'll be individual interior warning. Does um, that make sense? To it, you? it does. Thank you. That's exactly what a lot of other people have said. In other words, everybody at the appointed time will know. And uh, that seems a reasonable enough answer. I don't know that it is uh, for me, but for many it is. Okay, back to the first-time caller line. You're on the air. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hi. Yes, hi. We've got that out of the way. You're on the air. Uh, my name is Valina, and I'm calling from Wendell, Idaho. Valina. Ooh, that's a nice name. Oh, thank you. Well, what's on your mind, dear? Well, I, I'm calling because uh, on that one question you had about them uh, tapping the lines of every 100 people. One out of 100. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I think that would be completely wrong myself because, I mean, that, that, that's a person's privacy, you know. And so I'm completely against that. Well, they're they're saying in high crime areas. Now, a lot well, of the a lot of these people are saying, you know, when can you get the, uh, the the cocaine over here or something like that. Now, uh huh. Well, I can understand that, but how do they know that the call that they're going to be taking is actually going to be a crime call? They don't. See, that's what I'm talking about. You know, you know what they really do. What? Uh, they rely on computers and. Uh, uh, the computers, uh, it's really interesting what they're able to do. They look for keywords uh -huh. like Coke, crack, kilo, um, words that uh, would tip them off. And if the computer finds one of those words as it listens to zillions of conversations, it kicks out the conversation. Okay. That's why when you're on the phone talking to a friend from now on, uh -huh. Be sure somewhere in the middle of the conversation you say, Kilo, Kilo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll remember to do that. <laughs> yeah, all right. All right, thank you very much for the call. Yeah, I don't think it's such a hot idea myself. <laughs> West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Yeah, hi, Art. Hello. I'm calling from Anchorage, Alaska. Anchorage, Alaska, Okay. Um, my question is, uh, did you know if Mr. Scallion say anything about Alaska and his predictions? I, I just read you exactly all I have, my dear. Oh, I, I missed it. We were coming on the home, and we just we didn't, uh, we didn't listen to the whole thing. I will probably repeat it in about an hour. Okay, thank you. Okay? Bye-bye. Thank bye. you very much. There was nothing specific here about Alaska, so... Um... I would say rest easily at the moment anyway. Or you can rest easily under any circumstance. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hello, hi. Um, I wanted to comment on that FBI thing with tapping every hundred phone lines. 
No, sir. One in a hundred. Okay, yes, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Um, but there's something to prevent that. If anybody has access to the Internet, use Netscape. And MIT, if you go to HTTP colon backslash backslash www.mit.edu, they have something called PGP Phone, which is pretty good privacy, and it will encrypt your voice. Yeah. So it can't well, you that. can digitally encrypt your voice, but uh, anything digitally uh, encrypted can be unencrypted. Well, actually, this this guy who developed this, this is, I mean, the government, I mean, it would take, they figured out it would take a Cray computer, like, several years to encrypt. Well, they have Cray computers, sir, and they, you know, I'm not saying that anything up on Internet may not be good, but the Russians and others uh, have concocted things that were supposedly unbreakable, and they all get broken. True. But the FBI won't do that for the average Joe. It says pretty good privacy, PGP, right? Correct. Pretty good. That Pretty doesn't good. mean infallible. No. Uh, and that doesn't mean it can't be broken. So uh, now, now think about this for a second. If you're an FBI guy and you're listening into something that is encrypted, I mean highly encrypted, Right. what, what are you probably going to do? Well, I'm probably going to think... You're going to go, oh, no, this is encrypted. Damn, I can't listen to it. Or are you going to turn it over to your boss and say, hey, boss... This one's encrypted. I think we'd better take a good close look. Let's, true. Let's crank up the craze. Very true, but if everybody did that, then it would be a good thing. If everybody were to do such a thing, then they couldn't do everybody. Okay, now, well, that's true. Uh, just as a matter of interest, you're on the phone a lot, right? Yes. Even right now? Correct. Um, do you say a lot of things on the phone the FBI would be jotting down? Possibly. Oh, you do? Well... Oh, no kidding. Well, I mean, anything... Well, let's could... find out a little more about you. They could. Let me see here. We got the call trace going? Yep, she's going. All right. So, I mean, what are we talking here, sir? Uh, dope? Bombs? No. Guns? No. No? Anything could be. Well, I could it... say just the wrong thing. Then they could take that the wrong way. Remember what I said, sir. Kilo. Kilo. <laughs> It'll get the attention of the craze. Listen, I got to go. I got news. Thanks. All right. We'll see you later. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from November 1st, 1995. Network presents Art Bell Somewhere in Time.
Tonight's program originally aired November 1st, 1995. It is, and I've got a big update from Gordon Michael Scallion. I will repeat it next hour. Otherwise, it's open lines. My email address is artbell, A-R-T-B-E-L-L, at AOL.com. That's artbell at AOL.com. If you want to join my infamous flaming news group, um, I can tell you how to do it on AOL. I can't tell you how to do it on other Internet access points, but presumably you Internet uh, junkies certainly know how to do it. So the way you do it on AOL is go in, hit keyword, and uh, just type in news groups. When you get to news groups, you will be greeted by some graphics, and uh, you simply hit expert ad, expert ad, and then they'll want you to type in something there. What you do is type in alt.fan.art-in-the-middle-bell. Bell. I'll give that again in a second. And when you do, uh, from then on, you hit my favorite news groups, and my news group will come up. And you can read all the latest insults. <laughs> Again, it is ALT, as in alternate, or ALT dot FAN dot ART dash in the middle, then BELL. No spaces in any of that. So there you are. Now, this just in on my fax machine. Hey, Art. How about when Reagan invited Gorbachev to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base? Didn't he change his tune after this visit to Wright-Pat? Sincerely, your fans in San Diego. Yes, as a matter of fact, that is true. You know, I hadn't thought about that until just now. You think they took Gorby on the big elevator ride? <laughs> and this, dear Art, I hate Steve, too. Actually, I hate two Steves, one Larry, big time, and three Bobs. But then there's always Connie, Lynn, and Sandy, too. John in Escondido. That's a lot. You hate a lot of people, John. I mean, the Steves I can understand. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Hi, Art. Hello. This is Charlotte from South Carolina. Charlotte from South Carolina. Right. God, uh, I can't believe I got through. You ought to be in North Carolina, probably in Charlotte, huh? Yeah. Then probably. you'd be Charlotte from Charlotte. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, glad to have you. Yeah, um, I've been listening to you about two years now. Um, mm -hmm. I work third shift all night, so you're kind of all that's on. No offense, but God, I can't believe I got through. <laughs> so, in other words, I've got you because I've monopolized everything in the air. Well, no, there's really only one talk radio program on at night, and I just turned it on one night about two years ago, and there you were. And there I was, and you've been here ever since. Yeah, I can't believe, I mean, this is like, I was just bored tonight, so I thought, well, I'll try to call, and I got right through, I can't believe it. It can happen. Yeah. Um, I was just curious if you have any, like, liberal Democrat friends. That's an interesting question. Uh, as a matter of fact, yes, I do. Really? Yes. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much a liberal. Ah. I'm definitely a Democrat, but... You know, I mean, you don't, I don't know, I like your show. I didn't think I would. I thought I was some conservative, crazy guy, you know, but I don't know. I really like your show. I thought, I wonder if you have any liberal friends. Well, um, I do. 
uh, or to to uh, coin an old phrase, some of my very best friends are liberals. What about Doctor Democrat? He's not one of them. Oh, I thought y'all. <laughs> I thought y'all make good friends. Actually, um, I enjoy his calls. Yeah. Uh, let me put it that way. I, I do. I really do. I enjoy his calls. And uh, I think he does more to forward the uh, conservative agenda than nearly any, any other person who calls the show, save perhaps Charlie. Yeah, you have to admit he's fun. I love the way he calls. Yes, fun. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all I really wanted. I just, I'm just i fixing to quit my job, so I don't know how much I'll be able to listen to you from now on. But... Why, why are you going to quit? I don't really get along with my manager. But, really? Yeah. Is your manager Steve? No, my ex-manager is Steve, and he was great. Really? Yeah, I miss him a lot. Well, it was a cover-up. Yeah, it must be. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of work do you do? I work at a convenience store. Ah. Well, and I go to school. What would you like to do, given your druthers? I don't know. I went to about a year and a half of college, and I dropped out because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, so I decided to take some time off and think about it, and that was three years ago. So, so you're still thinking? Yeah. I mean, isn't there any career or any following that catches your fancy? Yeah, I, I really love animals, and I don't know, maybe, I don't know, I'm veterinarian or something. I just don't think I could give the shots and things, you know. I cry every time an animal died, but... Oh, you mean to put them to sleep? Well, you know, I can well, do that. To, yeah, but when it comes to that, you know, it's an act of mercy. Yeah. One they don't do for people. That's true. All right. Thank you very much for the call, and maybe you'll uh, maybe you ought to be a vet. Toughen up a little bit. I was a medic in the Air Force, and uh, uh, you know all the scenes you see in the movies where they take people into the operating room for the first time. Um, they're true. You know, about one out of four or five, but whoosh, right down on the floor. First time they see somebody opened up, it's on the floor time. And uh, they just pass out. Oh, my God, you mean that's really inside all of us? I don't want to see this. Goodbye. Poop. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hi. Hi, how are you? Okay. Yeah, um, I guess I'd, I'd like to talk to the gal who just uh, just hung up because uh, I didn't... Well, now just... think about it, sir. How can I let you talk to the gal who just hung up? Well, I guess if I were to talk to the gal who just Well, hung I mean, up... you are in the sense she's listening. Okay, I, what I would say is... is uh, by all means, uh, pursue your dreams, but in the meantime, uh, do whatever you best can can decide to do. I didn't go to law school until I was 35 years old. I wish I had decided to. I went to art school, graduated with a degree in art, did that for 10 years, uh, and then uh, went to law school because the art just didn't pay enough. And at 35 years old, I just uh, basically at, at, at 41, I'm a lawyer. I wish I'd done it the other way around. I would. I think I. You're liked. you're a lawyer, huh? Yeah, I, w- I think I would have lied to to have made ten years of a lawyer's wages and then ter- then gone to art school. How do you feel about all the lawyer jokes? I don't think they're all that funny, frankly. No. I just, uh, uh, Not even the one about you know the, all the millions of lawyers at the bottom of the ocean being a good start. No, there's there is one lawyer joke I think is funny. Which one? It's the one about the uh, the, the the old man dies, uh, but on his deathbed he says tells the priest, the uh, lawyer, and the doctor to. Uh, he divides up his money and, and tells them that to each throw the money into his grave. And uh, on his, his funeral, and at his funeral, he uh, the priest throws in the cash, and and, and then uh, the doctor throws in the cash, and the, the lawyer throws in an envelope. And afterwards, at the at the reception, the, the priest says, "You know, I have a confession to make. I I kept half of it back and gave the rest to to 
poor children. And uh, the doctor says, you know, I have a confession to make. I kept all of it back. I gave it to the uh, to the fund to pay for poor people to pay for their medical bills. And, mm. and the lawyer says, I am shocked at you people. I wrote him a check for the entire amount. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. That's pretty good. Uh, uh, I wrote you a fact. Hey, wait a minute. There's one. There's one more thing, sir. I have a theory, and maybe you can confirm or deny it for me. Okay. But as America, which litigates its self to death here Certainly does. Um, continues this litigation mm -hmm. lawyers on average take about what 25 30 percent uh, sometimes even more of a set of each settlement if there's like something like say a personal injury case or, yeah. or a, a case on contingency sure. I would say probably 30 30 percent to a third was probably standard yeah. yeah right so wouldn't it follow that eventually um, it may take uh, a generation, but eventually, lawyers will have all the money. Well, assuming they don't spend it on fast cars, loud sport jackets, and and the fast women. Yes, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I mean, really, eventually, lawyers will accumulate all of the money. Well, I think that um, uh, one lawyer, um, uh, gosh, what is the guy's name? Uh, there's a very famous jurist and instructor, and I forget his name at the, at the moment, uh, who said that uh, the law as a way of settling people's problems is vastly overrated. And I think that he was right. Uh, one one last question. I, I don't get it. People admit they're attorneys that often. Ah. Um, during the whole O.J. thing, uh, I imagine you followed it. I actually didn't pay a lot of attention to it. It, just, it was just really? one more trial to me. Not, not all that interesting one at that, except for the really? social ramifications. No kidding. Are you a trial attorney? Oh, I've gone to trial a few times. but. I see. Uh, uh, all right. Well, anyway, you called for a reason, and I diverted you. So. Oh, well, I sent you a fact today, actually, about um, what I thought were, were the president's uh, motivations for his act in Bosnia. And uh, what did you say? Oh, basically, I said that uh, I think that that really the president uh, is probably confused, or, or no, he's not confused. He's he he has a different idea of who his constituency is than the rest of the uh, the general public. I think he thinks his constituency are are the people who who uh, believe that uh, uh, that we need to uh, create or uh, create a, a a one world. Uh, government, basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was going to—I was going to say, perhaps he thinks his constituency are the French and the English, and uh, the Italians and all the people who ought to be over there doing what we're about to have to go do. Yes, well, I—I I think that's, that may well be. I—I I think that he his, his constituency is is a group of people who believes that uh, that. Uh, we need to act in concert, as, as and we need to build a consensus in the world, and we need to uh, uh, get everyone used to it. If you were to guess right now, without looking, how much money would you think is in your couch? Is in my couch? Yeah. I would say a dollar. In fact, dollar. I would say on average probably everyone has a dollar or so in their couch. Check it out and let me know. Okay. Thank you very much. In fact, some of the rest of you, uh, while you have an opportunity now, go check and see what's in your couch. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello there. Good morning, Art. Good morning. Where are you? Uh, I'm calling from Colchester, listening to you, uh, Illinois, listening yes, to you on WT8930. Uh, excellent. Welcome. Uh, I spoke to you yesterday. Uh, question. 
Uh, I could not resist making a uh, calling tonight on uh, about the uh, FBI and the monitoring of uh, one out uh, of a hundred. Yes. Uh, I see nothing wrong with it in the high crime area. I really don't. Well, the only thing that I would want nailed down fairly carefully is what constitutes a high crime area. Now, might they not use this authorization to, for example, tap my phone? I mean, you have to imagine they would be interested in what I talk about. And, you know, I talk to a lot of people that are fairly powerful and have a lot of things to say, some of which the government might be either interested in or not like a lot. And might they not be tempted, once they have the ability, you know, to come after people like me? Well, I don't think so, Art. I think they'd, I mean, that person there, they'd want to tap their line and not yours. I mean, uh, let's face it, I mean, you're not, you're not a criminal. Well, fine, but, but, that's, but I guess that is my point. I mean, in other I words, uh, in other words, is it not a, a fairly slippery slope or a possible slippery slope? Listening to uh, one out of a hundred in high crime areas, to listening to people that, well, you know, might be politically disagreeable to whatever administration sits at the time. Well, yes, uh, I guess you could be right there. Mm. But uh, how about you? Would they like your conversations? No, I think they'd find them extremely, extremely boring. Really? Yes. And uh, comment about your book. Uh, I have uh, this lady friend that's going to be getting your book, and she's told me, she said, well, she said, uh, I'll let you read it after I get done with it. Mm. And, of course, I've heard people call in and say, you know, hey, Art, you talk too much about your book. You talk too much about your book. Well, I wrote a magazine article back in '83, uh, which was in a national magazine, and I still talk about it. <laughs> well, as you notice, I have shut my mouth about it, and I'm waiting uh, basically until I'm sure that just about everybody's got it. Then I'll let the audience talk about the book. They can they can uh, flame it or whatever they want to do. Well, after I read it, I'll probably call and make a comment and. Uh, uh, also, um, uh, now, that's like, I'm not in a real crime, high crime area. I mean, we've got a university uh, seven miles away. So they might be listening. Well, this is possibly so, but the nearest FBI office is in Decatur, Illinois, so. But, mm. That doesn't uh, matter. Course, you know, they are uh, not within, uh, shall we say, well, it's people in scanner land. Uh, I mean, already, you've said enough in this conversation for a Cray computer which is what they use, to kick it out. You said FBI, you said TAP, you said criminal, you said all kinds of key words that a Cray computer would say, uh, um, excuse me, boys, you're going to want to listen to this one. See what I said, mean by this now? Yeah, I see where exactly where you're coming from, Art. But no, the only high crime that we've got in this area is, well, pardon the way I put this, water bills. Uh, but I do have one question, seriously. Water bills, yes. Uh, have you uh, had anybody ever, uh, when they call in on your uh, uh, 800 lines, uh, have you noticed that uh, after so many rings you have a recording that comes in and kicks you off and you have to redial again? Happens to everybody on every line. Oh, really? Yes, sir. I didn't know that. Yes. Well, then, know it now. It is another great service of your uh, diversified telephone company. 
Uh, they have no real good reason for having uh, done this. In the old days, you could call and let a phone ring 24 hours a day. Now you can't do it. Now you get, I'm sorry, your party is not answering. Please try again later or something like that. And um, they've got some limp excuse about not tying up phone lines. Or I mean, how many of you out there let phones ring for 24 hours a day back when you could do it? Huh? Did you? It seems so unfair to be cut off when you're trying to get through to a talk program. We don't do it to you. It is the phone company, and it is the diversification. I, I somehow know it is. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Good morning, Mr. Bell. This is a socialist from Kansas City. Yes. <laughs> well, I don't mind you talking about your book. You know, you ought to be proud of your personal endeavor. Mm -hmm. People stop making me talk about my book. I I have, I've been talking about it. I haven't been saying a word about it well, on purpose. Well, I'm defending you here. I don't think you talk about it too much. I remember you calling up and saying I was. No, no, no. I didn't say that. Now, I never have said that. I kind of ribbed you about it. Now, I did say I would have put your photograph in it had you sent it. And you said, well, I thought I did. But you didn't. No, no, I didn't say that. I said I wouldn't want my picture in it. Oh, you I wouldn't mean, mind you, you wouldn't, want, you wouldn't want to be in the lineup with uh, uh, the, the conservative nightmare and Charlie and Doc? They're in there. There's too many right-wing nuts in this country. Somebody would bump me off for the oh. things I've said. You know, actually, when it comes right down to it, and you look at uh, the violence that has been done in America, there has been more violence done by left-wing lunatics. What? Oh, absolutely. Mr. Bell, this is a right-wing country. What are you talking about? The... No, this is a generally... <laughs> that is outrageous. This is, this is a generally mid, uh, a very uh, um, middle-of-the-road, um, slightly conservative country. That's what this is. From your perspective on the very far, fringy left... You say such outrageous things. Uh, of course it's right-wing. Listen, I... We'll hold you over because I know that you're not done with me yet. Yes, sir. You got it coming. <laughs> yeah, so do you. Stay right there. All right. More in a moment from the high desert. I'm Art Bell. You're listening to Art Bell Somewhere in Time on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from November 1st, 1995.
listening to Art Bell Somewhere in Time on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from November 1st, 1995. All right, here I am from your friends in Madison, Wisconsin, Art. Thanks for the scallion update. We still want to do your numerology, but it appears that you don't want us to. Now we think we know why. You are not really named Art Bell. That's your radio name. We think your real name might be Steve. Well, it might. It might be Steve Boutrous Boutrous by golly. Art, here's another one. Thought I'd mention that today uh, actually marks the 70... Ooh, this, this is serious. The 75th anniversary of commercial broadcasting in the USA. Station KDKA Pittsburgh is credited with the first commercial broadcast, November 2nd, 1920, with a broadcast of, you know, this is really, I wish I could tell you why this is so interesting. I'll be damned, November 2nd, huh? I'll tell you what, I'll tell you tomorrow why this is so interesting. Ooh, talk about signs. Anyway, KDKA Pittsburgh is credited with the first broadcast on 2nd November 1920 with a broadcast of the Harding-Cox election returns asking the audience uh, if they heard the cast, then they should be uh, respond by writing to the station. I'll be doggone. Uh, that's my board op, Ron, at KTUC in Tucson. Ron, thank you, Ron. Ron, you get me a phone number, if you would, to get hold of you, Ron. Um, because I will tell you something that will blow your mind. So it was November 2nd, 75 years ago, the first commercial broadcast station went on the air. You have no idea how pursing, personally meaningful that is to me, and I can't tell you today why. Tomorrow I can tell you. Art, pretty good privacy, was named that way as a sort of joke. You see, it takes less than an infinite amount of time to decrypt it. Not much less, though. So it's only pretty good instead of perfect. This encryption program has scared our government so much that PGP has been classified as a military weapon in the same category as plutonium. You may think I'm kidding, but it's all true. Signed, Eric the Hacker. And by the way, AOL, America Online, has a big uh, bit of news out that made national news. If you are on AOL and you get something, a piece of email called Good Times... Do not open it. Delete it. It is uh, one of the most horrible computer viruses ever concocted. And it will literally get into the root directory of your hard drive and possibly destroy it. It can begin uh, running an algorithm that would uh, actually damage or destroy your processor. So it's a piece of email called Good Times. Uh, I think AOL is trying to get rid of it but it's running around in their system so far without a way to get rid of it, so uh, it's, it's horrible. Uh, if you get an email uh, that says good times, believe me, do not open it. All right, back now to my friend in Kansas City. Yes, you call me your friend. You do have liberal friends. I do. That was interesting about your dad doing a flip-flop. He, he's a liberal? Well, it was one of the most... It was awful what I did to my dad. He loved Richard Nixon. I mean, he loved him. And he absolutely did not believe the Watergate charges. And, of course, I was very young. And, but I was interested. And every day I would point to the newspaper headline, you know, as Nixon would get in deeper and deeper and deeper. 
and my dad would have fits, and we'd get into big fights about it. And finally, the day came when you, you remember the I am not a crook thing, and then past that, and my dad flipped. And I think there was a little mental break there, and when it occurred, and, and you know, lately, I mean, my dad was a Marine. He, was on, he fought on Guadalcanal. There are photographs of my dad on Guadalcanal in the book, in my book. See, I talked about it. There you are. Yeah. And um, now he uses terms like spraying bullets and these awful guns and on and on and on. So, uh, uh, But you did a flip at the same time, I take it. Well, I grew up. <laughs> <laughs> you got religious. <laughs> Well, you um, discovered your God. I, look, look, I'm not religious about my politics. I'm, I've got a pretty open mind, actually. Uh, but I am generally conservative, which is generally correct. Well, that's that's that money factor. I don't talk politics with my friends or potential friends or acquaintances. I understand that. Otherwise, you'd have few. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have certain friends. No, that conservatives. See, you people, you do have a multiple personality. Well, that's one of the reasons you can't rep, uh, elect a Republican here. You're confusing, you're, you are confusing multiple personality with open mind. You see, uh, yours is so constricted, myopic, that whenever you see anybody who can think in several different directions and chew gum at the same time, you're confused. <laughs> is that right? Well, uh, <laughs> how, how come... Uh, well, okay, this government thing, is this you going know, to get profound, or are you just now reaching for something to say? No, the, you, profound. The government thing with, uh, well, what the man, the lawyer man, uh, talked about that Clinton's constituency is uh, yes a new world order. Yes, I, I don't understand where that comes from. I, I think he's back the United Nations. The United Nations. I think any sensible man would, or woman. Uh, it's a pretty. Uh, um, any, bad world if we don't come together and talk. Any so, well, I have nothing. There's nothing wrong with talking. And you know what? If those guys at Wright Patterson Air Force Base want to shake hands and make peace, I say, by God, great, go home and have peace. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, one more thing. You know, you said the lawyer guy. Right. You remember the lawyer joke he told was pretty good, huh? Yeah, I thought it was funny. Um, here's another one. Uh, let's see if you can get it. Six lawyers buried up to their neck in the sand. What do you have? I give up. Not enough sand. <laughs> yeah, I'll good. see you later. Uh, west of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Hi, Art. Hello. This is Charles in San Mateo, California. Hi, Charles. Uh, you, you live in Pahrump. Yes, Pahrump, Nevada. Yes. Yeah, I go camping out there in the uh, Amargosa Valley. It's one of my favorite spots. Beautiful area. Yeah, I love it. Uh, and I, I photograph out there. I, I uh, do like celestial photography, and I was wondering if I could uh, send you some pictures of the moon rising over the Specter Hills. You certainly may. Like I've been waiting for you to give your, uh, your address office box number number okay. again. But uh, do you wish it now? Yeah, please. Do you have a pencil? I'm ready to go. Do you have paper? I'm ready. All right. Post office box mm -hmm. four seven five five. In in Pahrump, P-A-H-R-U-M-P. -P -P. Right, and the zip? Uh, Nevada, zip code 89041-4755. Thanks, Art. Yeah, and when I uh, want to 
wash the dust off me. I go stay at the saddle in there for um. There you are. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. You welcome. Thank you. Uh, also, an update. I had a feeling the guy was wrong. Art, I think your sofa change calculator uh, came up with less than one million dollars. Was way off the mark. At three persons per household, there are over eighty million, not eight million households. You're right. In the United States, even if only one half of them have sofas, unlikely. Seventy-eight cents per sofa yields the bottom line. $33.8 million in sofas. That's serious. $33.8 million in America's sofas. The only thing I'm not sure about is that my 78 cents was a good average. So why don't you all take a minute out now, those of you willing, go to your sofa and count the change. Come back and tell me. And maybe when we get a few reports, we can come up with what appears to be some sort of average. East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Good morning. Art. Yes. This is uh, Pam in Memphis. Hi, Pam. Uh, last night you were talking about uh, why uh, Clinton wanted to get involved with Bosnia. That's correct. Well, what helped the economy get out of the Depression? What Depression? Who's who's economy? 30s. 1930s. It was World War II, right? What does that have to do with Bosnia now? Well, maybe he wants a war, and he thinks it'll help our economy, because if we go to war, then everybody have jobs creating bombs and weapons and bullets and all that. So, to help the munitions people and the defense contractors, we need a good fight. Well, to get everybody jobs. I mean, this is the only way he can think of for everybody to have jobs. War equals jobs. That's what it has been before. I'm not saying that this is a good idea, but it seems like uh, he has a lot of odd ideas to me. Are you married? No. No. If you were and you had a son and he was of the age... How do you think you'd feel about his going over there to the land of landmines and death? Well, I wouldn't like it at all, but if he was 18, it would be his own decision. No, that's, that's, that's true. That's true, and so far it is a military force. Now, doing this is going to require the calling up of the reserves. Right. So it's going to pull a lot of people away from families and jobs. Right. So, well, all right, thank you very much for the call. I think it is the foreign policy military idea from hell myself. And we're talking about phone taps. How many of you say things on the phone that you would not want the FBI to hear? Hmm? You know the way to foil this? The way to foil this is everybody begins to use keywords that will cause the cray to go crackers. Um, in other words... Um, Whatever it is, let's see, FBI, bomb would be good. I'm sure bomb would kick out a conversation. See, the Cray looks through a zillions of conversations, and it looks for keywords, FBI, ATF, McVeigh. We could come up with a million keywords that would stop that Cray cold, and if everybody would simply insert some of these words into the middle of each conversation they have, uh, well, here, I'll, I'll show you. 
First time caller line, you're on the air. Art, great to get in touch with you. Dean from Maui. Oh, uh, you're calling from Maui? Yes, in Hawaii. How's it going, Art? Oh, uh, well, boy, I'll tell you, it's a bomb of a call, sir. Glad to hear all the way from Hawaii. Well, just calling about an article in a Time magazine. <laughs> and uh, have you familiar with the Juanita? Juanita? Yes. Uh, I remember her. Um, she was she was really something. Uh, I met her south of the border, and we had some great times. Uh, <clears throat> a young uh, Inca girl sacrificed about 500 years ago. Uh, is this the one found uh, recently? Yes, yes. How did they know her name was Juanita? Oh, that's what the team named her. Oh, oh I see. In other words, okay, they, they and, didn't uh, really know. I just was a little bit worried because they're going to do um, blood and uh, DNA examination. Yes. And uh, they're going to look for viruses and germs that may have been around back then. Just a little bit nervous, Art. Sorry. Great. Maybe that's great. Maybe they'll find something they can use. Now, you ask yourself this question. If they found a deadly virus in this Inca girl, long dormant, but one that they can reconstruct, synthesize, and for which there is no cure, what do you think they would do with it? A, destroy it so it could never get loose and hurt mankind, or B, put it away in our arsenal of... Uh, doomsday weapons that we can let loose just in case we need to. Or oh, see, or just, wait a minute, or see, release it immediately. <laughs> uh, just, just the thought, just the thought of them trying. They're not even doing it here. They're doing it in a. Uh, where was it? Where was it found in Arequipa? So. Well, um, I'm asking again. What do you think they would do with it? Probably try and make the weapon art. Yeah. You know, Put it in our arsenal, save it. Hate to say it, but I'm afraid you're absolutely correct. Thank you very much for the call. Have a good morning. Sorry, but the guy from Hawaii is correct. They probably put it in the arsenal. I don't think they'd release it right away. I don't think they would. All right, back to it. I may have a few surprises for you this morning as the morning wears on. Uh, no promises. We shall see. By the way, here we have an honest letter from a newspaper delivery person whose name I shall not use because his boss listens also. Dear Art, I am a newspaper carrier in Memphis. I'm responding to the question about carriers putting papers where customers can't see them. The answer to this question is a definite no. We have employees at the... Well, I, I don't want to identify where, who re-deliver missing papers. The dirty deed would come back to haunt us. From experience, if a customer can't see the paper from their front door, they complain. So we throw the papers from our car onto the customer's driveway. For customers that are handicapped, we walk to the door and place the paper on the porch. Now, some people do take advantage of this. They don't want to walk and pick up their paper. If we know they are fooling us, Weird things can happen to their paper. Have you ever closed a storm door on a paper? You can't open that door very easily, of course. Well, I've never done such thing, but I've heard rumors about others doing it. The paper gremlin attacks again. Well, 
you can read into that one whatever you want, but it's not real hard to read behind, uh, between those lines, huh? East of the Rockies, you're on the air. Uh, yes, Art. Turn your radio off, please. Yes, Art. There you go. Okay, yes. I, yeah, I'm calling from uh, WGNS uh, country. Where? WGNS country. Where is that? Uh, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Oh, yes. Okay, uh, I just heard on the radio a couple of days ago that they were thinking about taking your show off. Around the first of the year. Um, might I ask uh, what exactly uh, you heard? Okay, uh, they said something about uh, it, you all uh, had thought about taking the show, your program, the Dreamland and your program off there around the first of the year. Uh, yes, the network is moving from the station you're listening to. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh, okay. And uh, but you will still hear the program. Um, where did they announce this? It was on WGS. Uh, well, I mean, like, did the manager go on the air and say uh, it was happening, or? Uh, yeah, he did. He did, huh? Yeah, I guess it was a recording or something, but he did say that. It was a recording. Right. Okay, well, um, I guess they're free to announce that. Um, uh-huh. It is, in fact, true. Um, we um, have decided to change affiliates there. Uh-huh. Um, and all I can tell you at this point is um, you will not miss the show. Okay. So it'll be on some, somewhere else down the dial? Um, as they said at uh, WKRP, up and down the dial, yes, uh, I'll, I'll be filling you in. Okay. Because uh, the station that I'm listening to right now is WGNS. Right. Okay. I know. Okay. I appreciate the call, sir. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you. First time caller line, you're on the air. Hey, Art. Yes. My name is Dominic. I used to drive cab in Las Vegas. Oh, yes. You remember me? I do. Yeah, I, I just was listening. I'm in Rochester, New York. I'm back home now, and I, I, I picked up the tune on the radio, and I heard you. I said, wow. I bet you couldn't believe it, huh? No, I, I thought I was to never hear you again. I you know, that's a, that is one big mama of a radio station there in Rochester. Yeah, Wham Radio. Is Wham, 1180. It's uh, 50,000 watts, non-directional, totally, and it covers literally from Maine down to Florida. Yeah, uh, I missed that, uh, Mount Shasta. You remember him, uh, Mount Shasta? Tom. Tom, of course. Yeah. Nice guy. You know he passed away. Yeah, I know. I, heard, I remember just when I left uh, Vegas, he, uh, he passed away. You know, anyway, remember that... my predictions about the weather? Uh, I, that, uh, I, I do that, sort that, of that remember some something about it, yes. The fires in Kuwait and... Uh, yes, oh, yes. And uh, we were going to have some bad weather. Well, it, uh, it's turning out that way. And you think it's because of the fires in Kuwait? Well, no, I, I don't think it's only that. I think. Have you changed your view on that? In other words, you think uh, yes, it's uh, obviously we've never had this many hurricanes. Yeah. Um, the earthquakes. Uh, I'm going to reread the scallion thing in this next hour. I suggest you do not miss it. I won't miss it. I'd like to see if you ever get the, that Mr. Lira, and he's a great, a great guest. Well, it's been a long, long time. Yeah. I like so I'll get John on again. Yeah, I bet, I bet that was some surprise, huh? There you are in Rochester, and all of a sudden, there we are. I hope you're going to stay on here now at, the, at this station here. We'd like that. Yeah, well, well, I'll send in my little request and tell them to keep you on. All right. Enjoy your show. Well, we just got there. Okay, I know you did. Take care, my friend. Okay, Art. Right. Uh, that's true. Good to hear from New York. As a matter of fact, it'd be, be kind of fun to uh, hear where exactly the Rochester signal goes. Maybe I will hold open a line for that. How to do that? Got about a million Detroit calls yesterday, but not a lot from you know. But it was Rochester's first night on, so a lot of people were sitting there going, "Who the hell is this guy? What's he doing?" Well, 
What we're doing is live talk radio in the middle of the night. Let's see, it ought to be one, two, three, four o'clock in the morning. Four o'clock in the morning already in Rochester. So uh, when I come back, I will hold the line open for Rochester listeners for a little while. I think that might be fun. What do you think? What do you think? Tap one in 100 phone lines in crime-infested areas. The only thing I don't understand is how they define that. That'd be real important. We'll be right back. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight, featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from November 1st, 1995. Somewhere in Time on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from November 1st, 1995. That it is, my friend. And uh, coming up in a moment, I've got a surprise from Perth. That should give you some hint of what we're about to do. And so now, I promised it. I did, I promised it. And uh, we're going all the way now to uh, Perth, Australia. (laughs) The man down under, he's Stan Deo, and uh, he's a fascinating guy. We had him on once, and uh, I'll tell you, Stan, um, you kind of flamed me a little bit in your email message. (laughs) I did. Yeah. um, I admit it. um, Let me read part of what Stan said. Uh, Art, we have given you the nickname The Artichoke. You see, artichokes have lots of barbs on the outside, but when you butter them up and look behind the barbs, you find a tender heart. So that's that's a semi-flame, I guess. Yeah. Uh, anyway, look, when we first had you on, Stan, you know, the people up at the network, they're a humorous bunch. And they thought, uh, initially, they heard me calling Australia, and they went, what? <laughs> I, I wonder if we'll even have, be able to sell enough tapes to cover the cost of the call. Well, we uh, sold tons of tapes, and... Um, so I went, na 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 <laughs> Basically, you're a fascinating character. You captivated the audience, Stan, and that's why you're back. Look, tell the audience, uh, and there's a lot of new audience out there, tell the audience who you are and why you're in Australia, and then we'll go from there. All right, Art. Um, I'm uh, Stan Dayo, uh, obviously uh, uh, born in the United States in Texas, um, uh, in a town called Valley Mills, and I uh, went from there up to Dallas and was raised there. I um, uh, went to the United States Air Force Academy for a couple years in Colorado um, at the courtesy of the government. Uh, I got into a lot of uh, very interesting projects at the academy, uh, some of which were not in the normal curriculum. Uh, They were to do with intelligence. And I know that a lot of people will find it hard to, to believe, but that's kind of where where they recruited a lot of people at the time. 
and um, I was part of an experimental program with people that were programmed with high-speed flash cueing, uh, with hypnosis, uh, with various other things that allowed us to... Um... Wait a minute, you just jumped by me. What is high-speed flash cueing? Oh, sorry, I forgot. Yep, um, Where they put you in a room, uh, several of you, and uh, uh, the temperature is that body temperature in the room, and, and you see a screen in front of you, and you're told to focus at the focus dot and close your eyes, and when the instructor says, um, open, you are to open your eyes and not blink for, oh, four or five seconds while a high-speed... Uh, Flash slide projector puts 200 frames a second on the screen in front of you, wow. and and your mind is programmed uh, with every page photographically. Um, when they do this, you, you don't realize it at the time, but it, it does shove it into your subconscious mind, and you assimilate it over the next few days or weeks as you sleep. Um, the, um, uh, the, the, the there were a lot of things that were done in that manner as experimental things, but some of us uh, did better than others at receiving the data. Mm -hmm. um, just as a, an aside, I remember in the in the class where we did this uh, at the academy uh, after lunch one afternoon, uh, the first time they tried it on us, well, we went in and they they pulled the stunt on us, and we all laughed because they they told us we just read a 200-page book in a few seconds, and uh, all we could see on the screen was just flashing gray patterns. And um, he said, look, I'll prove it to you. And he started mentioning words, key words out of the, the story that they just uh, pumped into our mind. And huh. when he said, uh, I think it was uh, like a scarf or red or something like that, stretch up behind me, jumped up, uh, this tall, skinny fellow, he jumped up and he says, sir, sir, let me interrupt. I, I see I see the page you're talking about. I see it floating in the air. I can really see it. Oh, that's incredible. And he read it word for word. And uh, so, you know, then we were impressed. <laughs> but anyway, that's where I went to school. And from there, uh, things got more complicated as I left the academy and, and uh, uh, was approached by um, Dr. Teller's people, Edward Teller, uh, through Dr. James R. Maxfield in Dallas about new kind of propulsion systems for circular wing flying craft. Uh, and uh, eventually, uh, along those lines, I was uh, sent to Australia and introduced the Australian government by Teller and Maxfield's people to continue my research down here. Why? I don't know. They just simply said that Australia was the place for me to do it. Is that enough, or do you want more? Well, uh, tell them the capabilities of the craft that you worked on. Well, the craft that I was first designing was what's called a plasma craft. It heated the air and moved it over the surface of the craft and underneath it and back inside and up around again and, and swirled it around like a a toroid or like a smoke ring right. and uh, we had not built one i was just simply going through the the method of moving the charged air at home uh, with my equipment and um, anyway this particular kind of craft would fly very fast and leave no shock wave but it would leave a heat pattern and uh, it would uh, frequently catch its seals on fire now when i was recruited into the program i was told about fifty two other projects that have preceded mine since the, the mid-50s. I, I was late coming into the game, and you weren't invited in unless you stumbled upon the right way to do propulsion. Now, uh, as I'm saying, mine was a plasma drive. There were others that I was shown, uh, one particular one, uh, that other people had done, uh, which used electromagnetic fields, doing essentially the same thing I was doing with the plasma, a uh, charge there, but doing it with electromagnetic uh fields around and through the craft and its crew. Much more efficient than what I was working on, but um, still along the same principle of, of uh, breaststroking your way through the environment without pushing. Uh, it's called asymmetric propulsion. 
it can turn corners. The new craft, uh, like you could turn a corner 25,000 miles an hour in the atmosphere or underwater if that were the case. I mean, I don't think they fly that fast underwater, but in the atmosphere or in space, you can turn a corner that fast without spilling a drop of coffee while you're, you're drinking and go around a corner. Inertia, inertia is conserved, momentum is conserved uh, toward a focus point inside the craft so that you may get heavier, but that's about it. And uh, All right, uh, Stan, I had Richard Hoagland on the other day. Oh, yes, it, how's he doing? Oh, just fine. He made reference to the STS-48 mission. Uh, you're familiar with that? Yes. Um, you're familiar with the video footage that came from STS-48? The people that got it out of NASA first sent me copies to analyze. So you're very familiar with it? Yes. Um, Stan, some of what you see in those uh, in that video would appear to be doing exactly what you're just talking about. Yeah, I know. If you looked at the whole video before the, the laser burst and everything else, or the plasma burst that went up apparently, uh, you see a lot of things flying around in the atmosphere uh, at, at high speed that you don't normally see. I'm still not sure whether all that traffic was um, real items or whether it was uh, thermal anomalies, but whatever they were, were traveling very fast and making most erratic movement. Exactly. The kind of turn you just talked about. One of them Exactly. Look, look, I understand how all this happens. I mean, I, I've seen uh, photographs inside the assembly area over in Saudi Arabia where, um, at Jabal Tawuk where they did some of this, uh, the Americans did some of this testing. And um, it, um, these craft are just big flat uh flat bar coils wrapped around something like a, a donut, a square section donut, and they they generate um, a tremendous feel by building it up over a period of time. Um, anyway, they they can do things uh, that are extraordinary. They really affect the passage of time. I'm not saying it's a time machine or anything crazy like that, but they can affect physical and chemical reactions in matter, living or inanimate, right. so that when you're inside the field... Um, the time dilates for you or expands depending on where you are in the field. So you could spend five days and 15 minutes if you're in the wrong place in the field. Huh. Um, in other words, if you came up walking one of the craft that was parked and it had its field on, and you started walking toward it, theoretically, as you started to walk toward it and go into the field and talk to the people inside and turn around and come back out, to you, five days may have passed. You can grow a five-day beard. But when you get back out to the outside where you, you, you entered the craft from, 15 minutes may not have passed. you see what I'm saying? Well, I do. That's incredible. Stan, for this kind of technology to have existed this long with Stan Dale and some other people I've talked about, I've talked to only knowing about it and it not being widely known, although it is now, um, how can that be? I mean, how can that incredible kind of secret be kept? Well, I think that's a fair enough question, Art, and uh, it's not one that uh, is new to me. I've asked it myself many times. How is it that we're the only ones that know this, and, and why doesn't anyone else uh, know about it? Part of the problem is is that when people like myself have tried to leak it, um, there's been such a tremendous media, um, uh, what would you call it, put-down, that serious people never considered it. They just said, well, if... If it was possible, they would have told me. I'm a physicist or I'm a, uh, a leading financier or a philosopher. You know, All these people would have said, I would have been told if it was real. Um, and so I assume that, that a part of it is, is the psychology of mass movements is the reason that, that um, 
people haven't been more aware of it. The information is here. Uh, you can dig up a lot of the stuff I do. I give photostats, and I tell you names, places, people, companies. Go look it up. I've printed, I've printed it for 18 years. The only thing I can tell you positively is that America has with, uh, withstood every assault I could make trying to get my books into the country. I can only do it through small mail order houses or direct mail because uh, the major publishing companies won't touch me with a 10-foot pole. And I'm a bestseller in this country, and I'm, I'm published in French and English in 22 countries, but I can't get in America. I've been trying to tell people in America, and that's the, the biggest vacuum in the knowledge uh, game is in America. You guys just are being wrapped in a blanket and, and kept blind. Right. Well, I, I really do believe that. It's not so much what we're told as what we're not told. Exactly. Uh, that really is true. Um, now... I, I did find the uh, the facts in question that came from a fellow named Nighthawk. Uh, so we're going to jump subjects here, and then we'll come back. Okay. But uh, he said, Edgar Casey, the sleeping prophet long ago, predicted a chamber beneath the paws of this sphinx would be found. In it would be found records of Atlantis. I believe Gordon Michael Scallion mentioned a major find in Egypt this year. Yes, he did. He did. Uh, also, John Anthony West... Today on KOIN-TV here in Portland, they ran a story that indeed they had just uncovered a chamber just exactly where Casey said it would be. Um, now, I've also got late news that I will give you and the audience from Gordon Michael Scallion. He right. sent, sent it to me late today, very serious stuff. But regarding the area under the Sphinx, do you know anything about that, or is this sort of updating you? It's updating me. I have to be honest, Art. Um, I do um, have a, a comm link to uh, Scallion uh, over the computer, and uh, I've just been remiss this week. I haven't gotten back to his, uh, to his last message, but um, I know he has said that, and I know there are digs occurring uh, uh, near the Sphinx. Uh, they have been for several months uh, with reputable archaeologists, and there have been chambers found there and further up the Nile. Um, I I, we'll just have to wait and see as far as I, uh, I can say. Um, how do you feel about Gordon Michael Scallion? I just, you know, just sort of an off-the-hip uh, reaction on Scallion. Well, um, let's say he does things differently than I do. Um, uh, certainly his earthquake and volcano-type stuff, his predictions there, um, are, are almost identical to what I get uh, doing the hard slog with... Um, mathematics and computers and data from NASA, I come up with the same answers, perhaps not as quick or not as far in advance as his. But um, on that particular side of things, yes, uh, I, I think what he is saying is, is uh, of uh, good social value. All right. Well, he said, watch very carefully Mount Vesuvius in Italy and Etna in Sicily. And I just, uh, uh, let's see, it was Sunday night, uh, Stan. CBS ran a big story on... Uh, the geologists watching Vesuvius, and they think they're, it's about to go. That's true. Um, I We've just, been saying the same thing in our newsletter. I, yeah, I just got uh, an article from a European newspaper saying that uh, the geog geologists in Sicily are now detecting increased serious activity at Etna. Yep. And then late today I got a bulletin from uh, Gordon saying that he believes the last cycle has begun. Well... Uh, in Italy, I mean, uh, what I'm going to tell you here is, is published news on the American Reuters or, or um, AP. So All right, before you tell me, it's a good point to uh, have a cliffhanger. 
So uh, hang on just a second. Let me take care of business, and we'll come right back to Stan Deo in Perth, Australia. Stay right where you are. Now, back to Stan Deo. Stan. Yes, sir. Um, uh, all right, earth changes, and what you see and what he sees, different methods, same uh, rough conclusion, eh? Yep. Look, uh, on Vesuvius, let me just uh, point out... Um, uh, 24th of August this year, uh, there was an article uh, in Reuters, and it, uh, I'll just read you a part of it here, and you and you try to read between the lines here. All right. Um, volcano on the brew. Vesuvius still threatening after all these years. Um, okay, uh, most scientists agree there is no risk of an eruption soon, but disagree over how much warning Vesuvius on the densely populated Bay of Naples will give before exploding again. We don't want to see similar destruction as what occurred in 79 A.D. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, let's see, about 50 people were killed uh, in 1944 when we had the last major lava flow. Right. The last significant eruption was in 1631 before that, killed uh, 4,000 people, blah, blah, blah. Scientists and geologists at the government's Civil Protection Department recently completed a major plan to evacuate some 600,000 people from the Vesuvius area. That's correct. Okay. Now, why would we do this? It's a uh, at this point it is a voluntary evacuation thing, and the story that ran on CBS Stan said the people uh, who live below Vesuvius have a, the same attitude as the people of Pompeii live for today, and they're not moving. Well, what about the people in California and Oregon and Washington State that are living right on an active line, and the people in Japan? They're not moving. I know. I know. But and, I'm sitting here watching this stuff on, my, on on these thermal satellites, and I can't believe people still live there, but they're doing it. But, Stan, I understand that. I mean, people have lives, they have families, they have homes, they have jobs, they have all of this, and you just, you know, on Scallion's word or Stan Dale's word or Art Bell's word or anybody else's, you don't want to believe it. You just, I, I mean, know. you don't want to believe it. I know. Well, I, I, I know I... I, uh, last time we uh, we talked on your show, toward the end of it, some people asked me, oh, what do you do? And since that, your show, gee, a lot of your listeners, lots of them have sent me email and letters and questions about what do we do with our business, our family, and this and that. Right. And and your point is very valid. Uh, I My opinion is that there is no safe place on the planet, really. I mean, there probably is, but, I mean, it, it is impossible for us to really say that is the best place, nothing will happen to you, you've got a perfect, happy life there. You're just going to have to make the best of life where you are. But it doesn't mean you can't prepare for things to float in your area or food that you can carry on your back or transport or communication, whatever you want that you can carry with you. You can make minor preparations to keep your family mobile and provided for, basically, in the event of a civil emergency. And all you have to do is read the old newspapers in the last three or four years about any major uh, hurricane or earthquake site and see that there was fresh water shortages for months after that, and sanitation yes. problems. And look at these problems and address them for your family. Those are the important issues. Uh, if you survive the initial big bang or thump or tidal wave or whatever, great. Pick up your life and go on after that. You're not going to be alone. The other, other than that, as I said before in your last show, um, from my Christian perspective, it is a very good time for people to really look at their spiritual life because there's going to be a lot of people dying and for those of us that believe you live after this, it is it is tantamount to look at that side of it. All right. Well, on that cheery little note, we'll break here at the bottom of the hour and be right back to you, Stan. Stan Dale, 
all the way from down under, Perth, Australia. More coming in a moment, and yes, we will get the phone lines open. Stay right there. You're listening to Art Bell's Somewhere in Time on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from November 1st, 1995. Listening to Art Bell somewhere in time. Tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from November 1st, 1995. Top of the morning, everybody. My guest is Stan Dale from Perth, Australia. We're going to find out why Stan's in Australia here shortly. Maybe we'll try and find out why he can't get published here, of all places. His homeland. <laughs> hey, Stan, do you. Do, do people in Australia refer to it as the land down under? I, I suppose you guys don't think of it that way, huh? Oh, we uh, we do uh, refer to it that way because everyone else does. Oh, I we, would think we, from uh, your, your perspective, we would be land down under. Oh, I suppose, but they do look as, as up. Uh, they look up to America. I see. Uh, believe it or not. I see. Um, Stan, uh, what I would like to know first, I guess, is... You agree in substance with Gordon Michael Skyen about the earth changes that uh, you both say are coming, but you come right. at it from different directions. Explain to the audience how you reach the conclusions that you have reached. All right. Well, there's, there's two things. First of all, um, my findings have, uh, about earthquakes and volcanoes and various other things are from analyzing data from the NASA CWIFS, S-E-A-W-I-F-S program, and from the OTIS program from Naval Fleet Headquarters, which I have access to over the Internet. Um, I have been putting together uh, color image maps and uh, uh, plotting earthquake data from USGS and Denver to put together long-term period plans for or, or forecasts for when earthquakes are going to get worse in various areas. And going on that basis, which is basically statistical, I've been able to uh, to know when uh, at different times of the year we're going to have windows, like Gordon does, um, and certainly we're approaching three windows right now, between now and the, and, and the end of January. And um, uh, at the same time, I've been able to look at heat patterns in the surface of the oceans using the naval satellite, mm -hmm. and 
this tells me when heat is building up under the, the ocean for some reason. That's not 100% accurate, but so far it has been so accurate that I, in fact, when we did your show last, um, I had no idea that the areas that we uh, targeted uh, at that time would be hit by so much destruction then. I was expecting it even even later. And certainly Japan had 8,700 earthquakes uh, in the space of 10 days after I talked to you on the show. It's a funny thing, Stan. Uh, you're exactly right. Actually, it's gone now, I think, over 9,000. <laughs> and I, I reported that on the show, and people were telling me I was out of my mind. Oh, and, no, you're not. It is all over the wire services. Uh, yeah, all it is. It is. It absolutely is. And uh, people choose not to believe these things, I guess, uh, or don't want to hear them, and so they don't. Well, let me tell you something interesting about that. You and I read the press. I went over, I, I, I tied into Japan to their seismic services there and got the, the data as well. I called our guys in, in the United States Geophysical Service in Denver. I said, hey, look, guys, I'm on your, your uh, instant alert system here for big earthquakes. Um, how come I didn't get any notice of the, at this time, it was 6,000 earthquakes that have occurred in Japan? I said, you know, there's nothing on my charts. Where's the data? Right. And the guy says to me, oh, um, Gee, did, did, did they have that many earthquakes over there? Didn't know it. It wouldn't show on us. Uh, you know, if it's less than Richter two or something, we probably wouldn't pick it up. Wouldn't know about it. And they didn't have a clue officially that it was even happening after after six thousand of them had occurred. That's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. I, I don't believe it. Uh, but anyway, that that's the official story. And there's a lot of stuff that that like um, like that that happens. Like on my web page on the internet, I put addresses that tie into NASA and various other places I use so that people can go in and grab the same data and do the same kind of analysis themselves. Don't trust me. Do it yourself. What they probably ought to do, Stan, is to put in a link between your web page and mine. Uh, yes, I think I can. Well, so, yeah, they can vector to mine from yours, and I can go to yours from mine. If you want me to, I'll put you on mine as a vector. Oh, that's that's fine. I don't understand all of that yet. I'm it just still... means I'll, if people, if I say push Art Bell's name on my page, it'll instantly dive over to your section. If you want me to, I'll do that. I'll, I'll certainly do that. Yeah, and you can request to the people who run my page. I don't run it, Stan. They do it for me, and you can request they do the same thing. The all right, well, I'll drop in a, on an email and tell them that. All uh, right. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, where were we? Um, uh, the, the reporting of these earthquakes and things. Now, some of my links on my Internet web page are little, little um, lines that you press a button and it takes you off to that particular site. Some of these have been cut off in the last three or four days. Oh, uh, a couple of them into NASA, they have ac denied access to me. Uh, they were open, they were public. Uh, one of them was the Mars Exploration Group. I told people how to go in there and get a daily Martian weather report. Okay, they have even even color pictures of the wind patterns on Mars every day for the the Mars missions they're planning right now. And they cut it off. They cut my link off. No explanation. Access denied. Now, it was only after I put it on my web page and started to share it with folks and let other people dive in and have a look, bang, I got, I got denied access. <laughs> now, um, there's a lot going on, uh, you know, uh, like with uh, Comet and Asteroid Defense. Um, my last newsletter, uh, which is a printed one, uh, I, I can't get, uh, get it up on the Internet just yet. I'm working on it. Um, we found inside NASA uh, an AIAA paper on uh, the near-Earth object um, conferences they've held, and they held one in September in Italy. Uh, all the leading scientists, I've got every every name here, and I've got even minutes of the proposed meeting and what they were going to discuss about how serious the threat of asteroid and comet uh, near-Earth approaches are. 
uh, and they're spending money and putting urgent all over it. And then at the bottom they say, however, don't worry, this probably won't happen for another three or four hundred years that anything would hit, but we're just getting ready. This is bulldust. Uh, they're sitting down here laying out plans for orbit determination, uh, deep space tracking. Uh, they've even discussed how they're going to explode uh, a, a two-stage nuclear device near an asteroid to, to powder dust and then to use that dust as a cushion so they don't fragment it and blow it out of orbit to get it away from us. They're, they're talking things here that are extraordinary, and this is on the Internet in a non-classified section, just not widely broadcast. So I printed the whole thing in, in the newsletter. I, I, everything they had, I just printed Stan, uh, can you, the latest I've got on Hale-Bopp, which is a gigantic, uh, I guess, comet, I mean, who knows, it's 100 miles in diameter at minimum, and yep. it is out beyond the orbit of Jupiter, and the late information I've got is they've taken a photograph showing a strange spiral and a piece that apparently has broken off from it That's and, correct. and is uh, about 30% the brightness of the brightness of the nucleus of the comet itself. Not a third the size, uh, mind you, but a, a third the brightness. Now, do you have anything beyond that, or is that about what you've got? At, at the moment, that's where it seems to be stuck. Uh, again, at the NASA links, uh, at JPL and at Enki, wherever we're, we're diving in to grab the comet pictures, things have slowed down there. Uh, in the last week, uh, we can get in to most of them. We're, we're not denied access, but things have slowed down. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about why it appeared to change course, and it was bad uh, date in the beginning, so that's why they think it was, and, and all this kind of stuff. But there is something very unusual about this comment, and it is doing, as you're saying, it is spiraling, it's thrown off a piece, but at the moment, everything's going quiet on it. Uh, and if you could see the, the, the history of the data pages, you'd realize that it's, it's gone slow for some reason. And one other item, it has never, you know, our American press has always had a thing on comments. I mean, ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN. They all pick up stories on comets. And here we've got something roughly uh, 10 or 20 times the size of Halley's Comet, and there has not been one word. Well, the mass of it is actually, I think they said, a thousand, sorry, a hundred, what is it, a hundred, hundred, um, uh, I think the mass they said might be a thousand times that of Halley's Comet. Well, it, it may be. Um, it, it may be. In other words, monstrously larger, whatever yep. the, the number is, and there's not been a word in the standard press that just doesn't figure. It's really weird. It is very weird. And looking behind the scenes with all the emergency meetings going on about what we do to, start to move comets and asteroids out of Earth's way, I tell you, in fact, I've talked to a couple of the leading uh, astronomers. One is Duncan Steele here at the Australian National Observatory, uh -huh. who has written a book called The Killer Asteroids. And I, I called Duncan. I said, look, um, uh, I hate to bother you, I said, but should we tell people, you know, uh, that they're coming uh, and that there is a problem uh, to avoid the, you know, the the panic problem? Should we really tell them or not? And he said, look, that might have been the idea a few years ago. He said, but now we've got to tell them. He said, that's why I brought the book out. It is serious. We need to tell them. It is not a minor issue. So, um, you know... <laughs> How many warnings do you need? I mean, this guy is a qualified uh, person in the field, uh, respected, and uh, his group, um, uh, he and uh, McNaught, I think, is the other fellow, have been watching this new comet, and they, their reports show all the time on the comet pages. In fact, that's another area. In fact, while we're talking, I'll just plug in uh, and see if we can pick up the comet pages. All right. I'll, uh, I'll put it in the background. We'll talk about it later. All right. Um, why are you in Australia? I well, mean, I, it wasn't by choice. 
uh, I was sent here by the American, uh, well, elements of the American government uh, with Dr. Keller uh, and his crowd at Lawrence Livermore Radiation. I was sent here to, to do research, uh, continue my research on two things, primarily a, a, a new kind of aircraft propulsion that would make a flying saucer, and secondary to that, which um, got me in more trouble than the saucer stuff, was looking at ways to convert energy uh, straight out of the environment into electricity without using petroleum or things like that, but using uh, resonating circuits like Nikola Tesla did. And um, those are the two areas that, that uh, got me in trouble in the States. And then rather than shut me up any other way, I think they put me down here to finish my work and cut my funds off. All right, but basically you still retain your citizenship, or, or do you not? No, I, I gave that away back in... 77. So you are uh, now an Australian. You're an Australian citizen. Yeah, well, I I call myself a West Australian Texan. <laughs> but I mean, te <laughs> technically, you're, you're an Australian. Yeah, I'm technically an Australian citizen, Australian passport now, and it was done simply to keep my own government, to the American government, from um, jerking me out of here if I didn't want to leave Australia. Now it doesn't matter; they could do it anyway. But uh, well, you that's... could have come back, though. I mean, there was a time when. You could have come back to the States, but you obviously, for whatever reason, chose not to. What? I did come back twice. I, I came back um, with a film crew uh, one time and by myself the other. And uh, certainly no one stopped me at, at uh, Los Angeles uh, when I came in, but uh, we did pick up uh, a two-man intelligence uh, team that were fairly um, uh, lowbrow types. I mean, they gave themselves away pretty early in the game, but uh, they stuck with us like glue while we were there with the film crew. Um and uh, there have been no formal things that said don't come home. Um, uh, they gave me a business permit, but I can't get a. I, I tried to get my U.S. citizenship back, and they wouldn't allow that. Uh, that was a very difficult uh, road. So huh. definitely, that welcome mat has been removed. And is it because of what you? I uh, obviously, I guess, what you're trying to tell everybody. I think so. I don't look, Art. I don't understand exactly what my value in their whole equation is, whether I'm a threat, an asset, or whatever. I've got to be honest. Um, I know I'm still in their equation, still factored into Department of Defense and various other people. I'm probably not available on your police computers and things like that. I've had that checked. But in the intelligence game, I'm still there and current. And I just don't know whether they treat me as an asset, as collateral, or what. But uh, I'm in there in the game for what we're talking about, UFOs, crowd control, uh, information exchange and, dis uh, and dissemination. Maybe maybe they have converted their thinking about you, Stan. Uh, maybe they regarded you originally as a threat and now regard you as part of a sort of a conditioning process. It's possible, Art. I mean, uh, I've tried to I've tried to avoid being used by anybody, uh, and I guess living out here has been helpful in that respect because I'm so far out of the game that people don't talk to me that often. Uh, but now that I've gotten back on the Internet, um, you know, a lot of strange things have happened on my computer. I can see when they're kind of diving in there occasionally to see what we're up to. I don't mind. There's nothing we're doing that's secret. But um, uh, believe me, they do monitor what comes out of my computer. Well, let me tell you another story that's uh, circulating this morning. The right. Federal Bureau of Investigation has just requested of Congress permission to uh, freely monitor, they say, one out of uh, every 100 phone calls in high-crime areas, uh, no doubt using computers, craze and so forth, to look for keywords, to look for people who are having conversations about crime or maybe Sandeo-type things that they can listen to. Well, they're already doing it here um, in this country. I've, I've got a number of friends that work for the phone companies that... Uh, 
talk off the record to me, and certainly um, they watch my phones here and a lot of other folks, and they run tapes on them, and they do keyword searches. But they did tell me that they um, they didn't just do it willy-nilly across the board with all phone calls, that they still had to target specific numbers uh, because they didn't have the, the computing power to grab everyone's uh, conversation. It's not quite that big yet. Well, we're getting pretty close to that here, Stan. Stand by just a moment. We'll be right back to you. My guest is Stan Dale, all the way from Perth, Australia. Next hour, he's all yours. All right. Again, we're close to the top of the hour here. Uh, Stan, um, from Dean in Kauai, Hawaii, asking regarding your ocean thermographs, can you update us on the hotspots? What are the hotspots? Are there any new or emerging locations you can report about? All right. Well, uh, we put it up on our webpage. Um, I try to do that every day. Um, and uh, as of 24 hours ago, there was a circular red hot spot or, or, or a bright yellow hot spot on our coding system, which means a, a significant one, uh, about uh, 500 miles west of Baja, California. Uh, that's the closest uh, thing to America of, of immediate value. There were some um, minor uh, heat uh, areas building up off the coast of Mexico and Nicaragua. Nicaragua. Hmm. Uh, Japan had a minor shadow developing, as I recall, under the South Island. Uh, definitely China, inland uh, China, southwest China, right up to the sea edge there, that had a hot spot on it. And in the Philippines, we had a very confusing pattern uh, two days ago uh, of heat, uh, bright heat spots there. And I, I, you know, they weren't as bright as one off California, but there were a number of them. And uh, it didn't, it didn't twig as what was going on there until I got the Navy um, sea wave height uh, images in which tell when the waves uh, raise up anywhere on the planet it's an image yes and if you're aware there's there's two uh, um, hurricanes that have just gone through the philippines and right inland and, and wiped the dickens out of the coast there and what was happening was these whatever was making this heat uh was producing the cyclonic or hurricane winds and of course went right through that whole area so we saw that uh, now uh, that's down close to you can i ask you stan i i had a report that uh, the uh, typhoon, really, you guys down there have typhoons, uh, yeah. that the typhoon that was headed for the Philippines at one point had sustained winds of 180 miles an hour. Is that correct? Uh, it could be. I, um, I'd i have to check the, the links on that. Uh, on my webpage, I do have a link that goes into the, uh, the whole American um, uh, uh, tornado and um, earthquake and, uh, and, and uh, hurricane watch. And you can actually plug in and get the track and velocity of it uh, as every report comes in, plus some of the satellite photos of it. All right. Are, 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 are you aware that uh, in Perth you're very close to the 19.5-degree angle that uh, Mr. Hoagland talks about all the time? Yeah. Look, I, I don't know about uh, Richard's stuff. Uh, I, I've, I've followed the Gutty's videos. I've studied his, his mathematics. And a lot of the things that are happening on the planet are, are outside the 19.5 north or south. Some of them are up around the 45 in Japan, and I'm not denying that there are, there are a lot of things we don't understand about, um, you know, uh, oh, his tetrahedral mass and things like that. But uh, certainly, I see things happening outside the areas he has specified. Mm -hmm. um, if we go around saying, "Look, I live at 19.5 degrees. I better cut my wrists or move," that that's ridiculous. Um, no, I was just pointing it out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not being, uh, I'm being flippant. I, 
um, there's so much going on at the moment um, that I'm getting a bit tired because we're, we're working seven days a week here. I'm getting about four hours sleep a night. Stan, you're right yeah. about that. There's so much going on, it's the quickening. That's what I call it. Listen, we're at the top of the hour. I'd like the audience in the next hour to be able to ask you a question, so relax, and we'll be right back to you. Okay, Art. Stan Dale from Perth, Australia, right back. You're listening to Art Bell, Somewhere in Time. Tonight featuring a replay of Coast to Coast AM from November 1st, 1995. Networks presents Art Bell Somewhere in Time. Tonight's program originally aired November 1st, 1995. And my guest from the land down under, Stan Dale, Perth, Australia. Back to him in just a second. And uh, the big question everybody's sending me on uh, fax machine is what Stan's web address? So get a pencil, get a paper, get ready to write. It'll be the first thing we'll ask him, then we'll open the lines. Standeo, back in just a moment. Now, back to Standeo. Stan, um, uh, tell everybody how to get to your uh, web page, if you would. To my web page. Well, um, for those of you that are on the, uh, the net, it's uh, uh, the following address. HTTP colon right slash right slash www period double I N E T period N E T period A U right slash <laughs> and then this next thing is a tilde it's like a little Spanish tilde and then my name S T A N D E Y O Oh, all lowercase. All right, I'll read that back one more time. HTTP colon right slash right slash www period I-I-N-E-T period N-E-T period A-U 
right slash tilde, S-T-A-N-D-E-Y-O, all lowercase. That'll take you to my webpage, and that's where we'll uh, link from there. They're going to have to do something to fix that. <laughs> it's long, isn't it? Yeah, there's got to be a better way. Uh, as I say, I think getting a link set up between your page and my page would be a good idea. Um, at any rate, um, another one other question, then I'd like to take some calls. Art, please ask how we can get... You did write a couple of books, right, Stan? They're called The Cosmic Conspiracy and the Vindicator Scrolls? That's correct. They're hard to find. Well, look, down here they're not, um, but uh, certainly uh, if you have problems... Um, uh, you can mail to us here, or there is one crowd that are that are helping us uh, in uh, Illinois uh, that you might be able to get it through. Uh, Nexus Magazine there, but uh, our address here is uh, P.O. Box 71, Kalamunda. That's K-A-L-A-M-U-N-D-A, um, West Australia, uh, Australia, 6076, and. Uh, Either book is uh, $30 U.S., and that includes the airmail to wherever you are, any place on the planet. Um, we do have stocks, uh, reasonable stocks of both at the moment. We just had to reprint the other one, the uh, Cosmic Conspiracy. All right, you better give that uh, address one more time. Okay, P.O. Box, sorry, P.O. Box 71. Right. Calamunda, that's K-A-L-A-M-U-N-D-A, Calamunda. Right. West Australia. Right. In Australia, 6076. Um, that's our P.O. box. Uh, that's uh, my, my personal one. And um, then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, um, we'll help you get um, um, the address that you need, or, or sorry, the book that you need from that address. Right. I'm just looking up the other thing here for you. The, uh, the guys in um, Illinois that are helping us from Nexus Magazine, they're, they're being quite, uh, quite good about this. Um, they are in Kempton, Illinois, at Nexus Magazine. So it's NEXUS Magazine, Next Magazine, P.O. Box 177, Kempton, K-E-M-P-T-O-N, Kempton, Illinois, mm -hmm. uh, zip code 60946-0177. Now, um, they have the magazine there probably around $25 U.S. plus postage. I'm just guessing at the price. I think that's about what it is. If you want to fax them, they are on 815 Two five three sixty three hundred. Phone number eight one five two five three sixty four sixty four. I write for that magazine here, and I'm doing their electronic uh, uh, presence on the web here shortly. So there's a fairly close um, alliance between us. So you're almost writing straight to me if you write to them. All right. All right, uh, Stan. Well, that, that, that takes care of that, okay? It so, does. It does. And uh, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like you to take a few uh, questions on the phones. Great stuff. All right, here we go. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Stan Deo in Australia. Uh, hello. Hello there. Going once, going twice, gone. On the first-time caller line, you're on the air with Stan Deo in Australia. Hello. Hi. Uh, where Where are you, sir? I'm Ken Burian. I had just faxed a suggestion that you carry the book, but he just gave all the information how to get it since he had all the trouble. <laughs> right. All right. And uh, I also had asked on the facts. I haven't got your two books yet, uh, your autograph books that I had ordered. And, uh, well, they, they should be there shortly, sir. Do you have a question for Stan? Well, I was, I was just giving the suggestion of getting the books, but he gave it. All right. Uh, well, Thank then you. it's settled. Thank you very much. Uh, wild, uh, uh, wild Card Line, you're on the air with Stan Dale. Uh, hello. Hi, Art. I'm calling from Eastern Oregon. Yes, sir. On KLBM. Um, 
I appreciate. Uh, I heard Stan the first time he was on the show, and I appreciate. You know, uh, you know. He, I think he mentioned that he was concerned about uh, not giving out too information, so too much information where people would be upset or yes. closing businesses and stuff like this, right? But you know, you have uh, Scallion now saying what he's saying, and and, and tonight he's also saying that uh, uh, you know. It, it's just not being reported to us for whatever reason, and I would appreciate if he would uh, just be, instead of just dancing around it, just be a little bit more specific, as, uh, as specific as he can be. Gee, well, it didn't sound like a dance to me. I thought it was very clear, but go ahead, Stan. Um, I, I, I've had a number of uh, folks uh, email me with that uh, same kind of comment, and um, certainly my first program was a little bit cautious, um, mainly because I wasn't too certain of the the technology or the, the equations I was using to derive the earthquake um, uh, occurrences and when and where, I still am a bit um, cautious of them uh, because they're running on statistical figures. Uh, Gordon Michael Scallion, um, is, um, he's got access to things I, I certainly don't in the way he gets it. And if he says that uh, he sees the, the quakes hitting in various places, well, uh, I, I can't compete with that. I can only g generally say, look, um, these areas are prone. They are about to go. Uh, it would appear statistically they're going to happen. And so mine is, in the end run, not as efficient as someone who can see into the future, uh, if indeed he, he can do that. Um, um, I know that from my biblical studies that uh, there are prophecies for the times we live in that do say that there will be tremendous earthquakes in diverse places and famines and, and plagues of disease all over the planet when we kind of enter into the beginning of the millennial period that people speak of. Mm -hmm. um, so I speak in generalities in that sense. As specific as I can get, I put onto my webpage, which is the actual maps that I'm working with, uh, and I try to do that every day so that you can see where the heat patterns are building up. And if I see something there that, that, that catches my attention, I, I put it on the picture or write about it on the webpage and say, look at this, this could mean something. And certainly... Uh, I've done that in the last um, couple of weeks that I've been on the, the web. Um, two days, three days ago, I put on the, the, the temperature changes for the planet and showing where I thought there was trouble. And uh, in, in the last, um, what, uh, 48 hours, a new typhoon threatens uh, to wipe the Philippines. Mexico has a quake. Nicaragua has a quake. Puerto Rico has a quake. And two, earth uh, two volcanoes are, are firing up over Vesuvius. And they had an earthquake over in the Balkans. Uh, again, all this was uh, stuff that, that uh, you could derive from looking at our thermal charts. Um, so I'm 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 pleasantly surprised by this, but I don't know how um, how more specific I could be. I, I'm not sure. I'm pleasantly surprised by it. Um, I, I'm unpleasantly surprised by it. I, when I picked up the information about Vesuvius and Etna that uh, Scallion warned about, Stan, um, I I was sh I shock is the right word. In other words. I've always felt, you know, I, I talked to Gordon, he's a good friend, yep. we've spent a lot of time talking, and, I, and my opinion has always been if there is a real McCoy, Gordon is the one, because right. he, he will talk to me in private with the same concern and worry and intensity that he talks on the air, or even more so, and uh, we'll spend a long time talking about it. Now, the one thing I'll say of Gordon Michael Scallion is, Again, I, it's the only way I know to put it. If, he, if there is a re real McCoy of, you know, somebody who can see, he's the one. Uh, modern day, he's the one. Right. And um, you reach and he reaches what would seem like similar 
uh, catastrophic uh, conclusions through different means, and to me that is meaningful. I guess it is. Actually, I hadn't thought about it that way. Uh-huh. Well, I'm thinking about it that way. On the wild card line, you're on the air with Stan Dale in Australia. Hello. Good morning, Mr. Bell. Hello. This is Leonard. Yes, Leonard. What can I do for you? Well, I'd like to ask him a question about uh, prophecy, Bible prophecy. All right. If he's read in the 18th chapter of Leviticus, uh, the correlation or the connection there is between the spiritual world and the material world, and when God says that the earth is going to vomit out its inhabitants because of the abominations and the wickedness that is surfacing on the earth. All right. Uh, Stan, do you relate um, what you are finding scientifically? Uh, do you correlate it to uh, biblical prophecy at all? Oh, no question about it. Yes, I do indeed. Uh, as I said before, I'm a, I'm a confirmed Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ as my Savior. There's no question about that. But I have a, a head start on a lot of folks in that I, I nearly died back in 69 from a... a, a bacteria that I contacted, and I got out of my body for a short while and out there, uh, and so I have an edge in that I know that we do live outside the body, and uh, there is a world to deal with after we leave the body, and that's basically, if I had to do anything on your program or anything else from now until the time I die that was very important, it would be to say, people, you do live after you die out of this body. It is most important that you come to grips with how you're going to, to deal with that, you know, the pros and cons of it. Investigate that and get to the bottom of it urgently because I think you haven't got very much time left. Could we, ask, part... you, could we ask you about that experience? Exactly what did you experience? Well, uh, when, it, when I started to leave the body, I was in a great deal of pain. I was laying in a bed, and um, they had given me some acromycin 4, which is an antibiotic at the time. as an experiment. Mm -hmm. And um, I hurt so badly that I was moving my body to positions uh, actually were semi-like. Semi uh, like uh, on a cross type thing, to get to where I, I didn't hurt so much. And as I was concentrating on this, I noticed that the sound in the room and in in, uh, in, in outside the building turned down like a volume knob, and I couldn't hear anymore. Hmm. And I thought, this is novel, and I became distracted from the pain by trying to figure out why I couldn't hear. And then I noticed I was getting tunnel vision, and the and the dark uh, the darkness was closing in around me, and the, the, the only light I could see was right up in front of me toward the ceiling, and it was getting into a small circle, and then a circle, and then it was blackness. And I couldn't hear, I couldn't see. And I, I certainly didn't uh, wasn't aware of the pain at that point. And I was intrigued by the whole process because I seemed to be completely aware but not sensing in those areas. And I rolled out of my body, overlooking at, at my navel, and then as though there were a slow-motion drop of water falling toward my navel, as it would have about hit my navel, I bounced right out of my body and straight through the roof. Uh, but when I went through the roof, it wasn't like seeing, you know, what was there normally, uh, like, you know, trees and people around and that kind of stuff. It was into a smooth, silky, body temperature blackness uh, at great speed, moving away from the earth. And I, I saw my entire life uh, uh, major events playing off to the side, my right side, in little theaterettes, uh, and I would see myself dealing with people and how I hurt them or how they hurt me, and I would I would go back into their lives mm. before that event or after that event. And before it was through, I understood everything that had happened to me and everything I'd done to other people, the pros and cons of it. My mind expanded. The, the, the intelligence or the, the ability to think was incredible. Imagine watching 60 television sets at once and understanding every one of the, of the plots and being kind of ho-hum about it. That's how incredible it was. Then, um, as I as I as I moved toward the light out there, which was out ahead of me, way out there at great speed, 
I felt very calm and very peaceful, uh, nothing like you'd have here on Earth. Uh, mm. And I noticed that parts of my body seemed to be washing out. There was an invisible fluid I could feel that I was moving through, and it, it seemed to wash out chunks of my body, like I was made out of very fine wire mesh or something. And I'd look behind me back toward my body down, down below, and I would see puffs of, like, dust or mud flow out of my body when and when it did a negative emotion would leave me like hate or greed or these kind of things or envy and i would feel those go and by the time i was through being washed by this fluid i was like a judge of myself sitting there thinking wow i understand all of this now and i curled up to relax for the the final trip into the great light out there and then something caught me like a rope on my right side and it spun me around and it, it for the first time since I was out there, I felt a panic because I didn't want to go back to the body. I was great where I was, and I couldn't hold on, and I realized that there was some kind of a rope-type thing on, on my right ear uh, connected to my body, so it was pulling me back. So I thought, well, I'll fall back into the body and somehow cut that rope, and I'll get back out here. Mm-hmm. So I relaxed and fell into my body, and uh, it was a an interesting experience. I, I didn't feel a thud or anything. I just kind of eased halfway into it with my right arm and my right leg, and tried to grab this rope around my ear, and it, it turned out to be not a rope, but a phone by the bed ringing and ringing and ringing. And it was my mother, and I didn't know that. But anyway, it kept ringing, and I couldn't stop that that, that uh, phone, but I knew if I could knock it off, it would break the tie, and I could get back out there. So I held onto a ledge I could feel in the other world with my left leg in my hand. I was actually hanging in there while my right hand and my right leg were in my physical body trying to move that phone off the hook. And it was like taking a leg of ham and holding it by the end bone and trying to move that accurately at a target because my, my body was like dead meat. Anyway, I got the phone off, knocked it off on the bed, and I heard my mother's voice saying, you know, Stan, Stan, are you okay? And I said, I'm, I'm fine, and trying to concentrate and hold on to the other world. And then she says, there's something wrong. You've passed before me like your grandfather did when he died. I saw you walk before me. And she was 30 miles away, right? So I said, no, you're wrong. Uh, I'm fine. I'm fine. And... uh at some time in that conversation right there, my left leg and left arm fell out of that, that link I had into the other world, and I was back in my body, and I couldn't get back. Now, almost within two days of that, I was I was totally uh, well and healed of whatever it was that was uh, making me so ill. That's a, that's a, Stan, hold on. That is one of the most incredible, absolutely incredible, graphically uh, interesting NDE experiences I have ever heard. All right, Stan, we're just about at the bottom of the hour here, and I hope I've not led you astray, and I would like to ask you whether there's anything that, you know, that you wanted to cover that I've kept you away from, if there's any area that you really want to cover. Well, Art, there's about 10,000 things, but um, um, I suppose uh, there are a couple of questions here that I've had uh, people write in um, Ask me the next time I was on your show, would I please uh, try to address them? We might try some of those if you want. All right. Oh, all we've got time for is a teaser, so why don't you give me one of the best questions you've got right there, and uh, we'll address it after the break here at the bottom of the hour. What What is the question? Okay. Well, there's, there's a chappy here wanting to know about um, – uh, well, in fact, I'll just read his question here. All right. Uh, he's from Texas, my old stomping grounds. Uh, uh, first name is Stephen. Mm-hmm. Um, in your opinion, he says, are we in for a believable and convincing global alien attack with devastating consequences as an attempt to consolidate political and military power as the powers that be move toward the new world order? Uh, he, uh, is it, do we stop there? Do I explain that? We stop there. 
And right. uh, at the bottom of the hour, out of the, the bottom of the hour shoot here, you can explain it. Yes. All right, Stan, stay right there. My guest from Australia, Perth, is Stan Dale. Interesting question. In a moment, the answer. You're listening to Art Bell Somewhere in Time on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from November 1st, 1995. Somewhere in time on Premier Radio Networks. Tonight, an encore presentation of Coast to Coast AM from November 1st, 1995. Well, I'll tell you, the world's getting to be a small place. From Gill, the following facts at 3.20 a.m. Art, there is now a link from your webpage to Stan Deo's webpage. So, there it is, folks. It already exists. You can get to my page. You can get to Stan's. Incredible. Really is a small world. And uh, Stan Dale, Stan, it really is getting to be a small world, isn't it? Well, since you uh, let me read out my webpage address over the air a few minutes ago, 50 people have already dialed in and uh, started pulling files down. Yeah, see, there you go. It's amazing. It is amazing. All right, um, Stan, uh, the question was, are we facing some sort of alien intervention, real or manufactured? I'll add that. Uh, in order to, in effect, bring the world together against some com- common enemy, real or imagined. Yeah, it, that, it's like the Iron Mar- Mountain document where they said that it was a, um, a uh, political purpose for governments to uh, maintain political power by doing this. Uh, certainly, I think the game started out this way in the 50s. I am not convinced now, then, that the so-called conspirators um, have control of the game they started. Um, I do believe we're going to have an alien landing as such, and we're going to have, uh, in that alien landing, we're going to have good guys and bad guys to start with. Um, you're, but but I, you're, let me be clear. You're saying this would be a real alien landing. 
Yeah. Right, the reason well, I well, let, the, let me ask you this. The reason I ask, Stan, hold on a sec. The reason I ask is because we began the program today by your documenting uh, or telling us that we have craft now that will do what, in essence, flying saucers do. In other words, we've got flying saucers. So, in a way, you set it up uh, to be asked. Uh, in other words, we've got the equipment to stage something like that if we wanted to. Yep. Well, we've had it since the um, middle 50s, uh, at least in, in limping form. But something happened in 1958 around March. Um, all across the, the world, there were over 100 uh, universities and companies working on electrogravitics or anti-gravity type craft openly and publishing it. In that month, 1958, something stopped all of the publications across the planet. No one said it doesn't work. No one says um, uh, we've succeeded. It just stopped. And uh, at that time, there, it, by, uh, by silence, there appears to be something that infiltrated uh, our, our Earth-made sciences and research and uh, took them over. Um, and then uh, years later, I, I've uh, talked to people in security detail uh, in the Middle East with the, uh, the British, and they have told me about answering to a power group that they said could almost be alien. It was so far ahead of us. Uh, although the people they dealt with were definitely human. And um, guys with little thin briefcases would come to these various projects in uh, West Germany and in, in, in Saudi Arabia and would say to them, here, here are the blueprints for the uh, device or the uh, process that we want to, to uh, build. We want you to make an industrial complex capable of making these things. It wasn't research into how to make flying saucers. It was getting our people to make industrial complexes to manufacture these things. Hmm. Now, some group, whether alien or not, you know, after the mid-50s, had access to technology that was like textbooks. Now, how do we look at the uh, Greek and uh, Hebrew uh, and uh, Egyptian and, and um, uh, Mesopotamian legends of the gods that came down from the sky and landed and dealt with us? I mean, it's the Eric Von Daniken scenario. How do we look at that and not call them what we would call them today as aliens? They are not part of our, our neighborhood. Whether they be the creator or not, they are they are alien to our culture now. Yes. Now, um, I, I try to keep an open mind, and, and certainly um, um, I'm not your average Bible basher in that I try to get to the, the the most ancient report and translate the language myself and hold and touch the things to try to get as pure a, a message as I can from our past. I've certainly been over the Middle East and dug in these sites and picked up bits and pieces of stuff and been in the caves and, and tried to figure out who these visitors to our planet were that, that probably uh, were responsible for creating it. And uh, my opinion is that it's not just some local neighborhood planetary group. It is it is bigger than Star Trek's Federation. It is a thing, an organization, that stretches across all the known universe. All right. Well, let me um, pin you to the wall here and say you've given an opinion that, yes, this is going to occur. They are going to land. What are you basing that on? Why do you believe that? Well couple of reasons. Certainly biblical prophecy does say watch out for visitors coming as messengers of light, uh, claiming to be nice guys, but really being sheep and wolf, uh, uh, wolves and sheep's clothing, sorry. Right. Um, and uh, it, it does warn us at this time. I see so much conditioning going on at the moment in the press about um, uh, extraterrestrials, contact, uh, mm -hmm. the, uh, the Roswell case is now coming to the forefront. Leaks are apparently coming out from various world governments that, yes, they are here. We have been lying. Um, military people are now breaking their security oaths and telling the story. It's true they're here. I see a general conditioning that's waking people up to 
the alien presence being real, but in such a manner that people will be fooled by a, a, a good guy, bad guy routine where we have a group of aliens here on the planet now, which will appear to be good guys like us beating the bad guys, the little gray lizards or whatever, and we'll all think the, the good guys are our heroes and our salvation or whatever, and we'll do anything they say. When in essence, the Bible says, watch for a deception like this, because that first nice guy routine that hits you and saves you will be an imposter to the real creator that made you. Uh, so all I'm telling you is, is what is written there in the Bible, and believe me, my trip out of my body opened my eyes to a lot of things, and I'm, I'm telling you what, what I'm telling you now is probably the most important thing I can warn you of, a deception that is going to be so incredible that it would fool the brightest of our minds on the planet into believing it. Be very careful of what comes down from the sky very shortly. Well, uh, would it be your view that most will be fooled? Yes. My position will not be a popular position, because now you stop and think about this. If we take the movie V, you know the series V that's on TV? Sure. Okay, we take that movie there. We had the aliens coming down dressed like us, you know, looking like us, but in reality, behind their sunglasses and their human-looking bodies were serpents. Right. That whole series was designed to tell you the same thing. Beware that those coming to help you and to be nice to you, and if you remember in the series, people who were against the aliens who were helping us, you know, the friendly aliens, were hunted down, were put in prison or killed because they were saying, look out, it, it's a trick, it's a trick. And that's, that's where I'm going to be. I'm going to be in the resistance saying, it is a trick, do not be deceived, there is one greater to come. I don't know if, you know, I don't know that I can believe all that, Stan, but um, I, I can certainly believe... <laughs> well, it's just an opinion, isn't it, Art? Yeah, I can believe there's a conditioning going on. Uh, there's yes. absolutely no question about it. At times, I wonder whether I'm part of it, whether you're part of it. I guess we are, in a sort of a perverted way, we really are. Um, well, uh, we are, Art. In fact, I've, I've often wondered, uh, you know, whether to say anything more publicly or not, because I'm not sure that whether I'm helping the situation or hindering it. <laughs> West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Stan Dale in Perth, Australia. Hello. Uh, yes, sir. Lane, conservative, Idaho. Uh, 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 pardon me if I pick out a fatal flaw to this theory here. Sure, uh, go ahead. Why, why is the world, and particularly our own U.S. government, so bent upon its self-preservation as to not allow this this information to be disseminated throughout the public to 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 thwart an oncoming uh takeover of this planet uh, it doesn't make any sense to me why they would keep this under wraps and have all these people down as uh these aliens come down as far as uh, abduction experience is concerned and have them shove all their little mic mr microphones up our okay i, I we've got uh, the idea uh, right. In other words, why keep it secret? Uh, well, look, um, good question. The the things you've got to realize is that for a long time, we were doing our own research up until you know the the late fifties. If my uh, suspicions are correct, we were taken over by some other group at that time. And after that point in time, I don't know that we've ever had control of our governments at a high a high level. Hmm. Now. If that is the case, then we, we were taken over a long time ago. It's just a matter of how this information is released to the public and let the public um, adapt to the new uh, controllers of the planet. They may have been here since, uh, you know, 1958. Um, In other words, it may be their technology. Or at one, at one time it was and now is ours. Well, it is. 
we started with our technology, and I think theirs has come has been there all along, but it's just simply taken over when we got to a point where we could be um, a threat. Uh, they simply just took it over and are now going to make this new world order. See, the biblical thing, uh, what a lot of people don't realize, even go to church, is this. Uh, it's not, uh, you know, um, how many times you go to church or Hail Marys or all this other kind of junk you do. It is a battle that occurred out in the heavens. They tell about it in, in a lot of other texts other than the Bible. A battle between good and evil, the sons of light and the sons of dark. And the, the, the battle is being finished here on earth in our lifetime, it would appear. And we've been warned by uh, Hopi, we've been warned by uh, Hebrew, we've been warned by heaps of stuff. Look out for those times, because this battle is going to come down to you on the planet Earth. It does feel close, Stan. Hold on just a moment. We'll be right back to you. Back now to the land down under Stan Dale. Stan, um, you, you have some incredible things to say. How much time do you spend just sort of mulling over how much to tell people? Oh, I don't know that I spend a lot of time mulling that part of it over. I, I'm so busy collecting the information and trying to uh, put out the reports that I that I do put out that I uh, I don't address that too often. It's only when uh, you and I have a, a chat or there's been another radio station we've uh, done up in, in uh, Salt Lake City that mm -hmm. had kind of the same kind of results. And when I do that, I, I have to talk to a lot of people, and I... I start to realize that uh, they're listening out there, and that then I think about it. Um, uh, the responsibility factor comes in because I'm not a prophet. I'm just an average person uh, that's been put in some unaverage situations and exposed to some unaverage data. And I can only share with folks um, my views and opinions on these things. That's, that's all. Uh, my concern has always been that when I share my opinions and I document as well as I do, that people... Um, then assume that my opinions, based on the documentation, are uh, the end, you know, full stop uh, or period, that's it, uh, right. uh, a prophecy. And it, it's not exactly that way. From the Bible studies, uh, I believe the Bible is 100%. Man's interpretation is up to a lot of question. And uh, certainly, you know, uh, uh, I, I've had times where I've thought one way about prophecy that I would read, and then another way two years later as I learned more. And I think that's, that's healthy growth. Um, if anything, I, I encourage people to look for answers to the problems today in the good book because it is there. And uh, you may have to actually work at it by studying languages or finding people who are getting translations, uh, new translations of the old data in the modern idiom because we've missed a lot by not retranslating, you know, since the King James days. Uh, um, there's a lot of very heavy coding that went on into old prophets' writings two and three thousand years ago that deal even with Saddam Hussein and and the, and the coming Gulf conflicts and the, the Arab consortium that's forming and the, the the Islamic Jihad that's going to move up through Turkey and into Bosnia and, and the destruction of uh, Rome. All this is there in the prophecies. And today, more than any time in the history of man, we can sit and see these things happening Stan, right under our nose. Let me stop you for things. a second, Stan. Uh, there are these incredible peace talks going on now of of all places at Wright Patterson Air Force Base in near Dayton. I know, I know, I can't believe that. And uh, here we've got the presidents of these, uh, some of them, uh, frankly, uh, to be indicted war criminals, I suspect, uh, yep. sitting down at a table at a place where it is said we have collected 
who knows what at Wright Pat. I believe that to be the case. I do believe that myself. Yeah, what, me too. What do you think's going on there? Well, look, obviously they're having a peace talk. The the housing accommodations for the delegates is, uh, is uh, military and Spartan. Uh, I think they have cable TV in the rooms and, and uh, Air That's... Force Chow and whatever, but yep. it is not your normal billet for uh, heads of state and, you know, wonderful, uh, relaxed talks. Right. There must be something else going on. Now, the interesting thing about the prophecies dealing with this day say that a false messiah or savior of the world will come, superpowers, he will emerge as a, a great peacemaker. Now, if someone can solve Bosnia, if someone can solve the Arab-Western uh, world conflict, this person can write his own ticket. I don't care whether it's Yuri Geller or Bob Geldof or Ronald Reagan or whoever they say is going to be. Whoever does this is going to be the man of the hour and the one we're told to watch out for because it'll, it'll, it'll be solving the Earth's problems of peace and security, apparently. Apparently. And so going to, to right, air, right path to Air Force Base, where they have all this stuff stored in the hardware that we're talking about. I mean, I've got reports that, they're, that were printed, actual reports, not photocopies, reports out of Wright Pad on the anti-gravity research that was being done there in 1955, 56. Uh, you know, I've got, the, I've got the papers. It was Mr. Hoagland's contention that they are going to take the parties in secret, and this is, believe me, uh, the talks have gone deep secret, uh, they're going to take these guys down on a long elevator ride somewhere, and they're going to show them something that will basically blow their Bosnian minds. <laughs> and they're going to say, look, guys, either you get it together or else. And uh, Richard Hoagland was frankly hoping that uh, as the parties leave the peace talks, that cameras could get a good photograph of their faces, which he uh, calculates will be somewhat pale and uh, in shock. Well, we'll probably never see camera images like that, but is that what you imagine might occur? I suspect so, and, and uh, I have no other reason other than just suspicion. Um, Richard may have access to, uh, to more data on that, but uh, look, it is, it is highly unusual to have it at right pat. I mean, I just can't, I can't fathom that. There's got to be something more to it. It, they've got to be showing them hardware or something that will tell them, look, guys, you either behave or, or, or else what's going to happen. That's right. Uh, it just seems so unlikely. Uh, you could think of Camp David. You could think of a million other places where they might take people like this uh, and other atmospheres uh, where, as you say, it wouldn't be Spartan. It would be uh, a level or two above that. I mean, just so many other places before Wright-Patterson that many of us are suspicious. And uh, Art, yes. One other thing I would like to to uh, to remind you of is this: if the biblical prophecies are being interpreted properly by those of us doing it now, America is going to be virtually destroyed in our near future, from within and from without. There's going to be a terrible thing starting in the New England states of the United States, uh, a mm, civil or like war type thing, and also all the earth changes. America is going to be destroyed if we understand it correctly. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll say this. I am not a prophet. I am just trying to translate old writings into modern idioms so that we can understand what they say. And certainly, Nostradamus' writings on the Vatican being bombed are, I think, the same thing that the Revelation speaks of. And they speak about a religious political institution called Babylon. Hmm. And... Uh, I might as well go ahead and disgrace myself all the way. When I was writing my book, The Cosmic Conspiracy, I was still in the writing of it back in 78. Very quickly. 
I, yeah, I fell into, uh, I fell very sleepily to the floor. I, I just couldn't stay awake in the middle of the afternoon while I was writing. I was working on the Great Seal of America at the time, trying to decode it. And? And I saw a vision of America being Babylon and the tool of Babylon with that seal. And I, I, I saw a vision, and I never uh, wrote about it until later in my second book, because it was just, people wouldn't believe it. Stan, we've, we, we have to hold it there. We're out of time. The show is over. Okay. I, all the way from Australia, I'm going to give you the honor of saying good night, America. Good night, America. From uh, the high desert, good night, America.